Hey, what's up, guys? How are you guys doing? This is another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a show in which me and my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news. Uh, all of our old listeners, thank you guys so much for listening to us. And our new listeners, just want to let you know, I'm Dane Alves, and uh, thanks for trying out our show. Uh, we usually do uh, two shows a week, one where we go over AEW, NXT, and stuff that's not, you know, Raw and SmackDown. And then we do our show where we're going over Raw and SmackDown right now. So thanks for listening. Um, but yeah, I'm Dane, and this is my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How you doing today, Chris? I feel like every time we put over this show, we keep forgetting that Extreme Rules happens, which is oh. like says a lot about that pay-per-view, but I, hey, I'm doing good. I'm ready to talk about it. Let's go. How are you doing, Dane? <laughs> I was I'm, I was doing better until you just brought that up and made me remind me that we got to go over uh, Extreme Rules, the horror show, Extreme Rules. And it was a horror show, but we'll get to that. We're going to build up some suspense and go over on SmackDown first, and then we will tell you uh, how, you know, our, our feelings for Extreme Rules. Um so Jesus save the Christ. save the encore towards the end, or just start it out with a banger. I mean, I don't know. Do we do this out of order or in order? <laughs> let's let's uh let's let's get the anticipation levels up. Oh god damn it. Um and and the thing is, Raw was long, but there was some good wrestling on it. SmackDown was was good. You know, I I didn't have uh as hard of a time keeping up with it last night. I was pretty drunk though, so might have had something to do with it. Uh, but Extreme Rules, man. A lot of good wrestling, a lot of good spots in it, and just a bunch of just ridiculousness. Um, but yeah, we'll 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 get to that, Chris. Um, actually, I guess you know what? Maybe we should go over it now because it kind of correlates into the storylines that we're about to talk about with Ron SmackDown. Yeah, you know what? We're gonna go over Extreme Rules, the horror show, right now. Does that sound good? Oh damn, you're flipping the show on its side. I don't know. <laughs> oh god sounds great man let's do it <laughs> all right so the pre-show had a match uh with kevin owens and murphy this is a good match man uh and kevin owens got the win like i said for all the ridiculous bullshit and having all the interference i'm glad that kevin owens didn't lose to seth rollins previously on raw but one glaring issue kevin owens is on the fucking pre-show <laughs> what the fuck so even though i like this match it kind of bothered me at the same time it's like dude if you're not going to use them in a good storyline just don't even fucking have them on the goddamn thing um did you feel the same way about that chris 2023 that's when that contract runs out everyone keep that in mind <laughs> they're counting down the days they're relegating kevin owens to the ziggler spot now oh god they're don't putting, say that they're putting him in what they were having Sami Zayn do. This man just beat the Monday Night Messiah at WrestleMania, and this he's on the fucking pre-show? He just beat him the fucking Raw before it, the go-home, to Extreme oh. Rules. Oh, my God. I mean, like, all right, so maybe in-ring Kevin Owens is not the best on the roster, but he's fucking damn near close, and he is definitely one of the best on mic. So yep. the fuck are they doing with him? It's sad. It makes me very sad. Maybe he's getting punished for Sami Zayn or some weird shit. Why the fuck? This this match, 
is better than the rest of the fucking show. Like, I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out there. Like, actually just watch the pre-show and not the rest of the show. The wrestling, yeah. I kind of agree with you, man. Um, but I also like the first match that opened it up, the tables match with the uh, WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championships on the line from the New Day, Big E, and Kofi Kingston going against Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, I think the biggest spot, obviously, was the one at the end where they stacked the tables and uh, Cesaro powerbombed Kofi through those two tables, kayfabe taking them out for the next uh, six weeks, which, in actuality, I think he's just taking some time off from work, and I'm really happy they're positioning now this for Big E to have a singles run. I'm very excited about that. Uh, that, that happened last night. Uh, but the match, was, the match was fine. It was a tables match. A uh, lot of uh, cool spots. I like it when they don't... Like I like like I like I said with with tables and stuff like that, you know, regardless how the fucking audience feels where they're screaming for tables, I don't like them used as often. And with a tables match, you kind of set up the option to kind of play around of people almost going through it and and not happening and and just that tension. But that last spot was fucking gnarly. I'm glad Kofi didn't get hurt. Uh, I love how the table just crumbled up both of them on top of him, and he just stayed like you know dead like <laughs> right when that happened but uh i don't know what the hell this is going to really do for shinsuke and cesaro i'm happy that cesaro i think they said that he's a uh i don't know six or seven time champ uh between his three different tag partners now with shinsuke before with the bar and before with tyson kid before that so you know they just don't they don't really give a shit about claudio they don't give a shit about shinsuke and they're relegated to tag team titles because you know, now it's going to have no relevance since the New Day is not in that position and the Usos aren't there. So, whatever. Um, I guess you got to be happy for what you can be happy for, Chris. I mean, no, you don't. <laughs> you <can> be... <laughs> <laughs> I like this match. I thought the match was very good and everyone worked really, really hard in this match. I love the end spot. Um, but if you're going to give Big E a singles push, why would you not have him just demolish... Kofi and then attack an injured Xavier Woods and turn him heel. I'm assuming partially because they need baby faces on SmackDown because they're kind of they have a lot of heels um, in both the Intercontinental picture. Well, I don't know. Maybe they're even keel. I don't know. But you have I think Bray Wyatt is inevitably taking that belt from Braun Strowman um, and you have AJ with the IC belt bringing prestige to it. And I could see Big E taking the belt from either of them. So maybe they, the audience loves Big E. And uh, as much as Jim Cornette can't stand their entrance, he always puts over Big, Big E as a worker. I just don't think he gets a part where he's swimming in the middle of the ring. I think it's it's sexy, you know, it, but that's it's, just me. It's just part of their, their swagger, right? I just don't know what Big E single run looks like. I mean, maybe they're going to wheel out Xavier Woods and Kofi in wheelchairs very glamorous or something, but they have to be a part of him being a baby face. That's, that's why I would have maybe just turned him heel. Yeah. That's a good point. We'll um, kind of, we'll pick, we'll pick up this conversation when we get the SmackDown though, since. I, yeah, it sounds good. Uh, the, uh, I will say the Cesaro and Nakamura tag team, I don't dislike. It's just, they always throw Cesaro with a guy. Yep. And that's unfortunate because, he might be one of the best wrestlers in their company. Yep. Pound for pound. Um, 
All right, so next match we had uh, Bailey with Sasha Banks going against Nikki Cross with Alexa Bliss. This came into like they had a, they had a pretty good match. Uh, obviously, Bailey's just she's fucking she's good in the ring. I'm not saying Nikki's Nikki's bad or anything like that, but she has a, a spastic style. Um, and I like that they're kind of going back in her being a crazy person as opposed to this whole entire fucking thing with Alexa Bliss. And I thought the match last night actually was good, but we'll talk about that later um, between Alexa and Nikki. Uh, but the ending spot, I think both me and you were shaking our heads. Of, I guess it was a kidney punch. She broke her ribs, apparently. You know, and I, I guess it set up her Bailey's uh, new finisher. But at the same time, you're going to tell me that a, a fucking – and we all know that's the metal on that is not really that fucking crazy, but the diamonds, I guess, whatever. You know, I mean, at the same time, MGF uses a ring, so there's that. But it was a it was a gut punch. Like, why didn't she just fucking hit her in the face with these, you know, brass knuckles, I guess, is what they're trying to play it off as. I thought that was a really bizarre way to end the match. But other than that, I I did generally like most of the match uh, itself between the two uh, women. Uh, what, what did you think? Were you similar, like, baffled by the uh, execution of the boss... Whatever the hell that thing's called. I guess it's a ring. I don't know what the fuck it's called. What do you call those things, Chris? You you, you keep up with the kids nowadays. Uh, the plastic gimmick from Dollar Store. This should never take anyone out ever, considering they sell it on the WWE store. Yeah. Um, and not only that, <laughs> why would you make a cut shot and not a face shot? Exactly. If you're going to do brass nuts, like, knock someone out with it. And if you're going to punch them, at least do the fake vomit spot, right? Yeah. Like, I, I I, don't know, man. I hated the finish. I thought they worked really hard in the match, and I thought it was pretty well done overall. I'm still, like, the... Sorry, my cat just decided to knock over I was going to say, are you okay over there, man? Did you fall down some stairs? <laughs> no, my cat just knocked over it. He, he did not like this match, <laughs> apparently. Did he, did, he, did he casually, like, you know, push it off your uh, your cabinet or whatever? No, there was a squirrel on the windowsill uh, above the sink, and he just had a freak-out moment and <laughs> knocked everything over. Oh, cats are great. Um, um, so, yeah. yeah. So I like the match. I will say the the Nikki Cross crazy thing doesn't work for me because it just looks like a Beavis impersonation, but not very good. It's <laughs> like look at like I've been watching it for a while, and when it was with Sanity, it kind of made a little more sense. But like to be smiley and just like constantly shaking your arms, Ultimate Warrior style, it's like you're doing a bad impersonation of either Ultimate Warrior or Beavis. So okay. I don't. <laughs> that would be a better gimmick, right? She just pulls the shirt up and she's like, I am the great Cornholio. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I don't buy it. And she's been friends with Alexa for so long. So I don't know. It's it's hard for me to care about. I guess they gave Bailey something new. Um, your comparison to MJF's ring, it's a giant ring, though. And like if you get punched with a ring, that sucks. Um, and he also yeah. punches them in the head. <laughs> so <laughs> that's... Just there, wrestling motes, wrestling motif wise, it makes a little bit more sense. Yep, I, I, I kind of have to agree with you. And you know, you were talking about fake puking. That kind of ties in the next match. We had the much anticipated match, an eye for an eye match 
between Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio, in which the math the match could only be won when one competitor extracted an eye of their opponent. Why the fuck wasn't this just a singles match between the two of them? The wrestling that they did was awesome, and it made me just want a normal fucking match with the two of them. The ending stipulation was so stupid. Apparently, uh, you know what, Vince? Maybe it's because you didn't spend enough money on this fucking thing. You got Tom Savini pretty much in the pocket helping out Bray Wyatt, and you had a fucking ping pong ball, it looked like, for an eyeball with a little bit of red Sharpie on it or some shit. And that, so there was a reveal shot, Chris. I don't know if you heard about that, but Vince hated it. So he, you know, deleted it from the thing. Uh, at least that's what Dave Metzler was reporting. And I believe him because it looked cheesy as shit. Also, um, and some of the spots, like what they were going for of trying to get the eye out was creative. It was a very creative concept between the two of them. But if you're trying to get Ray to sign on for more time and you're not really you're, – you're playing – you know, possum with his son being a part of developmental kind of holding out against him and not wanting to give him a raise. This is not a good fucking match to put him in. Um, and the fact that they're like, but hopefully the optical nerve will be able to be reattached at the end of it. What are you guys fucking surgeons? Like this was just stupid. Um, does not need to happen for a legend and a future legend like Seth Rollins. Like this was just dumb. They could have had an awesome one-on-one match. They showed glimpses of that throughout it and like i said they were creative but the inevitable spot with the stairs the same thing that fucked up his eye beforehand there's no fucking fake blood and how the hell is that gonna pop the eyeball out and not just puncture the eyeball i'm maybe i'm just being too realistic about this and i should take a step back but this was one of the dumbest stipulations of all time i don't even think terry funk would be down for having this style match and I can't believe they convinced Rey Mysterio, or Seth for that matter. <sighs> I'll say they both. They they. I thought they put on a really good match. There's one spot in this match where I thought Rey Mysterio was an absolute genius, where he tore apart the kendo stick and tried to stab Seth Rollins, which I had never seen. I, I'm sure it's happened at some point, but I thought that was absolutely great. Um, what they asked them to do, both wrestlers sold their asses off. I mean, Seth forced himself to vomit in disgust, which is like a whole nother level of wrestling <laughs> to some extent. It um, is. I mean, they tried, but there's only so much you can do with what's given. Uh, they could have just went the route where he hits him with like a wooden folding chair or something. Headshot, hands up. Not like, you know, I don't want non-contested headshots with a chair, but this would have been the time to use it kind of and that's what puts his eye out or you get a gimmick chair or a gimmick you, you could do a gimmick and then say he got his eye put out instead of giving up a, um, a curb stomp onto a side or corner of a <laughs> oh my god dane corner of <laughs> corner of the ring step sorry i was trying to get it out i mean at that point your eye just turns to goo, and they should have just showed goo run out and got very graphic with it if that's what they were going to do. I, I mean, if you're going to start doing stuff like this, like that would have been the time to use Tom Savini, as you said, or like hire yeah, Greg Nicotero. <laughs> like, if you want the huge gross-out moment, that would have been the time. And then, like... I, it looks I, so goddamn cheap. That's the thing that pisses me off. This company has so much money 
They fire people during a pandemic when they've made more money this year than they ever have beforehand. And they can't fucking do something better than a goddamn ping pong ball with with Sharpie on it. That's what it really looked like. There was no blood. Like they at least did blood beforehand. How the hell is that? Like this, this. Oh my god, this annoys the hell out of me. This was but so I mean, dumb. He also went after Ray's of injured eye already that had like a sewn-in eye patch, so it wouldn't have popped out unless the mask ripped or something. God damn it, this is so dumb. And maybe but, we're just too realistic about this shit, Chris. No, I mean, I think if you do an eye versus eye match, there's ways to do it. You know, like I said, Terry, I mean, Terry Funk legitimately got a splinter in his eye and made an entire fucking feud about it. You just hit him with a wooden chair. You don't really have to show shit and then just sell it as Rey Mysterio died and then keep him off TV. And he comes back and cuts a Terry Funk promo. This is not like something that's never been done in wrestling before. But yeah. like to try to do it to the extent that they did it, you expect like a big payoff. And to me, they picked the wrong person to do it. Like if Ray, like no one wants to see Rey Mysterio lose his eye, it does nothing for his character. But if like somehow Seth lost his eye, it adds something to the Monday Night Messiah. He can he can be like, look look at how I've sacrificed my body for your you people. I, I'm paying yeah. for your sins, etc. They could have built it in. So like the entire thing to me was the, the finish at least was bad. I thought the match itself, if you if you like you said, if it was just like a singles match, was really good. And Seth Rollins and uh, Rey Mysterio, I I would like to see that in the future. I just don't know how you come back from this. I hope Ray says fuck it, cuts his losses, and and goes like at this point. I guess it kind of goes into what we've been talking about continuously. WWE doesn't want to give him a raise. They're kind of using his son as leverage against him. Um, why the fuck should Rey Mysterio continue with them? Like, and why the hell wouldn't they give him a raise? He's one of the only legends they have left. That and the best baby face promo they have on their entire brand, if you go over the past, like, ten months. One of the best workers. Like, I get that he had some injury downtime and stuff, but a lot of the buildup, they switched it from him to Cain Velasquez. They could have done so much stuff with Ray. And they constantly shifted it and changed it and shifted it. And then Samoa Joe got injured and then he, or he got injured. Then Samoa Joe got injured. They didn't resolve that storyline. And then they just thrusted him into the Seth Rollins thing. And it's like, you guys wasted like to me. And I don't know that everyone will agree with this. Rey Mysterio is way more over than edge and always has been. Absolutely. I would so, say if there if, if you can't figure out how to use Rey Mysterio, how am I like the legends that you have left at this point, who are you gonna bring in that's bigger than Rey Mysterio? Nobody. I mean that you know, and the, the the two that come to mind that they're that 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 they're underutilizing by horrible storyline is Rey Mysterio and Jeff Hardy. And it looks like they're pushing them both out. Of the company, sort of, which is dumb. Like, if you really want to influx people watching fucking AEW that are not diehard fans of it already, put two huge names like Jeff Hardy and fucking Rey Mysterio on it. Stupid. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, for a company that always relied on legends, that well has ran dry at this point for people that can actually work for them in the ring. 
I saw a report that said that Vince, right before this actually, um, I didn't really go into detail, so maybe I'm just reading a clickbait headline, but apparently Vince wants to start getting over new stars because he realizes that, you know, with the lack of Roman Reigns and, and Becky and, and other people, Charlotte's out for a little while. We don't really know exactly why. If she's just taking vacation time or, you know, they don't tell a shit about this. But um, he's now starting to realize, Chris, that he needs to start building some new stars. What the fuck? <laughs> Charlotte, uh, Charlotte had surgery, right? Oh, that is right. I was... Dude, it's so hard because if people just mysteriously left, just like Apollo, obviously, and they have COVID, but they just didn't mention it at all. They just kind of swept it under the rug. So half time when people leave, I'm like, wait, so did they leave because they're like, I don't want to get COVID? Or do they leave because they're like, they did get it, and that's why they're gone? I mean, it's, so, I mean that's, that's a fair assumption just because Charlotte was gone with Andrade after his – was his, either his mother or his grandmother passed away, and during Andrade's injury, she was gone for a while. I don't know. They seem to give Charlotte a little bit of leeway. When I guess, I mean, I guess if I looked at that yeah. in this division, I, I just think probably... you know they're working without Brock, they're working without Roman, they're working without Becky, they're working without Charlotte. They 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 don't have a lot of big names. They're relying a lot on Randy Orton. They're relying a lot on Rey Mysterio. Jeff Hardy and stuff like that, but it's just, you know, try some other people out. You got the thing that pissed me off last night, and I thought he was going to win. Jack Gable could have been the next generation. We've said this a million times, like this generation's Kurt Angle. And Kurt has said that himself, that there's a lot of similarities between the two of them, and he wanted to elevate him, and that got pushed back. But you have him dressed up like he's John Cena circa 2005 you know, his, like, little sidekick or some shit with this shorty G-crap. It's so out of touch most of the damn time, it's it's annoying. Yeah, and, and the bigger problem is with all the stars that you named that are gone, it's going to be really hard to build new stars. Yes. Cause, because you have such a top level, like, is Randy Orton going to put over Keith Lee? Like, that's how you build a new star, right? Like... Randy Orton, spoiler alert, Randy Orton versus Big Show. Like, what does that do to put over, t- like, new stars? It was such <laughs> a boring match, too. <laughs> so, I mean, I get, I, I guess Big E, they're going to try to put him over as a new big star, but Big E's been over. Like, the new day is still over. Focus on your tag team division and build that up and have them be a focal point of your show, like your competition is doing, where they're like, hey, tag teams are fucking important. Uh, as opposed to like, hey, let's take away this very important part of a tag team, make him a singles wrestler. Yeah, doesn't make a lot of sense. <sighs> Nothing does on this. Anyways, let's keep on going. We could probably talk at length about this shit. Next match that we had was Asuka, the Raw Women's Championship, or champion, I should say, going against, uh, with Kerry Sane in her corner, going against Sasha Banks with Bailey in her corner, and it basically ended in a no contest. I mean, the ref got knocked out, Bailey put the fucking referee's shirt on her, and she counted Sasha for the win. I mean, I've liked Bailey and Sasha a lot as heels. I think that they've done a pretty good job. This was a good match for the most part. Um, 
but that ending just kind of ruined it. It was just dumb. Once again, <laughs> it's like if the final part of it, you can have a good match with someone, like Seth and Rey Mysterio, and at the end, if you have them trying to pop their eyeball out on a fucking stairs, it's just going to fucking ruin it for me and sour me. So I thought the ending was dumb. I kind of like what they're doing right now and manipulating the women's division and, and uh, running, you know, ramshot for it. But at the same time, I just thought it was at cost of Asuka and the women's division in general. So I don't know, man. I really have a lot of good stuff to say about this fucking pay-per-view. Let me start with the obvious. If Asuka spits green mist into the referee's eye, that's a direct disqualification, right? That's over. And why is she cheating right now? She's a baby face now. Like, <laughs> so dumb. You could, I mean, you could still pull the Muda and cheat as a baby face or the Eddie Guerrero, but you can't blow it right in the referee's face and him just be like, oh, I'm blind. Can't just move my finger for the DQ. Like, um, this match was good at the start. Got very, very sloppy. I, I don't know what happened. They just got very out of sync. Maybe their pacing was off or something. And I hated the finish, including where Asuka's... If, if you spit green mist into the referee's eye, there's no way that he didn't see that you just tried to cheat. So it's a DQ. And then also, Bailey... Is... <laughs> what were you going to say? I was just going to say, also, Bailey just can't pin someone. You either send out a new ref and just go, hey, that didn't count. Or, like, they just rang the bell. It's like, oh, no, that counted. Like, it's the fucking guy that handles the ring bell. Like, never seen a pro sporting event ever. I, yeah. Well, Bailey now, apparently she works in the office because she can make matches on the spot like she did last night with Alexa and fucking Nikki. So, I guess... She has that power. She can be a referee. She can do whatever, man. Um, I get I get in a business aspect, because this is setting up now a rematch between the two of them, and you're premiering it and actually advertising it for Raw. I get that. But it just seemed really dumb to pull this off on the fucking pay-per-view. I mean, I don't get it because it made me not care about either of the baby faces. Carrie Zane got murdered the beginning of this match and then never showed back up. And then Asuka tried to cheat and then lost. Kind of. And the rules made <laughs> no sense. So, like, as far as this was the way to get me interested in this feud, they fucked up. <laughs> oh, God. All right, well, let's keep on going. So we had a Extreme Rules match, sort of. For the WWE Championship, Drew McIntyre, the champ, going against Dolph Ziggler. Uh, the Extreme Rules stipulation only applied to Ziggler. McIntyre had to wrestle under normal singles match rules. Furthermore, had uh, McIntyre gotten disqualified or counted out, Ziggler would have been the champion. And he definitely took advantage of this. Someone said, why didn't he just ban the Claymore? Since that's inevitably what fucking made him lose. When he was going for the Sweet Chin music and then he got annihilated. Take out the Claymore. Obviously, Drew has more in his arsenal, but his biggest thing for winning is taken away. I kind of, I still think it's still smart where he, you know, kind of did that, but it didn't really benefit him, and it made him look pretty dumb at the end of it. I mean, it's Dolph, so that's what they do. But I like some of the spots uh, in the match. Uh, I like the elbow drop that looked gnarly as hell through the table with Drew on it. 
Um, Dolph's good, man, but he's, his credibility is just completely shot at this point. So, you know, building up to this, none of us thought, well, none of us, me and you, and pretty much probably a lot of fans, did not think Dolph was taking this title. I didn't think he was going to do it, but I thought it would be a good idea. <laughs> Actually. That's um, right. I forgot. You had a good idea and some good booking for that, but no, they didn't do that. Well, I mean, and now like, they, they have another match. They have a rematch. If you're Dolph Ziggler and you get to pick the stipulation, why is it not the entire roster versus Drew McIntyre and whoever pins him, Dolph Ziggler wins the title? Um, I don't know. That's actually well, seems like something that Bruce Pritchard would do. <laughs> like, I mean, the other part is it's a no DQ match on the Monday Night Raw beforehand. Didn't they do a segment with like Andrade and um, Ziggler and God, why can I not think of Angel Garza? Didn't they do a segment attacking Drew McIntyre? And then there's no follow up on this pay-per-view. That's also a good point. So if, if it's no DQ, why wouldn't they all jump in? I don't know, man. I really – you you just mentioned his name. I would love to see Andrade go for the title. He doesn't have to win it because I think that he actually brought the best out of Drew McIntyre in ring-wise since I've seen Drew McIntyre on the scene. But uh, instead they put him in a position like they're doing, which is not terrible compared to some other people, that how they're booked. But not the level I think that a lot of us think that he could get to. Um, and especially better, furthermore, better than the option with Dolph Ziggler because, like I said, the credibility isn't there because of how they booked him. Stupid. I mean, this would be this would be a different thing if it was like a hardcore guy versus Drew McIntyre. Like, say, if Dean Ambrose put the stipulation in place against Drew McIntyre where there would, might actually be a fear of, like, oh, now I'm in his realm. But Dolph Ziggler being like, it's a no DQ, but only no DQ for me is ba- like baffling to me. Like, how, how, only, is, how is that scary? <laughs> and not only that, why is Dolph not acting like a chicken shit? He's acting tough a lot of these times. Like, you wouldn't be tough. No one would most of the time against fucking Drew McIntyre because he looks like a monster. And especially Dolph Ziggler. Like, uh, I, don't, I don't fucking get it. All right. Ugh. I, I will say uh, I thought the match itself was pretty decent. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I was of... that spot through the table, man. That was – Dolph Ziggler's a badass for still doing shit like that. Well, I guess Drew is too for taking that bump. But it just was like it, – it was empty. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of the matches and a lot of the feuds they put together, the, the whole soul of the reason why we're wanting to invest our time in watching them, especially on these pay-per-views – they just don't have it because they just – the buildup, we either kind of know what's going to happen or – I don't know, man. It's just – it's it's frustrating. Yeah. It's – it you well, you can kind of predict what the finish is and also the storyline never makes sense, which is almost more problematic, right? So uh, yep. I, I thought Drew and Ziggler were good in this match. I actually liked – as far as the in-ring stuff goes, I liked the match itself. And I think they've done a good job at – booking drew mcintyre for the most part they could have done a whole lot more even if they wanted to do ziggler like ziggler winning the title here to give mcintyre like with through hook or crook or whatever if you're going to put the stipulation in there 
that would at least give McIntyre something to do unless you plan on bringing Lesnar back at the next pay-per-view or something, which I, I don't even know where the Paul Heyman Lesnar thing stands at the moment. Me neither. <laughs> because Lesnar could just be like, fuck it. I don't care. I'm not going. And they're like, well, you can't ever wrestle here again or wrestle for like the rest of your year contract that we sign you to. And then he'll probably be like, okay, yeah, I don't give a shit. <laughs> like, I live in the mountains, bro. You just you just treated my fucking actual manager like dog shit. So, so well, I mean, I think that they're planning on McIntyre, you know, Lesnar at some point. But what? Where? How maybe the hell? Maybe it's gonna be you, a slam. <laughs> maybe, but how the hell you get there? And also, uh, I mean, with everything that Paul's getting from AJ Styles, like this, all this shit's his fault. I. You know, he's probably not going to be the most excited person to come back and work in this environment, I would say, right now. Not that Paul Heyman's a saint by any means. I mean, there's – by any means is Paul Heyman a saint. (laughs) Tommy Dreamer tried to kill him or thought about killing him. (laughs) You know, I thought about killing him once. What? All right. Well, that's good. I'm sure many people out there – you know, the crazy fucking people, if Tommy Dreamer, who seems like the nicest out of that bunch of fucking rascals, is the one that wants to murder Paul Heyman, you know the other guys probably did at uh, certain other points, like New Jack and Sandman and shit. Yeah, oh. but I mean, when you when you start looking at the title picture with McIntyre, I guess Orton. I feel bad for him, man. Is it Orton next? Orton's got to be That's... next up, right? That's that's what's being reported from Dave. He thinks that, or he's he's heard from his birds, um, that Orton's the next person for building up the SummerSlam. So I don't know. They've done a good job of booking Orton. I think he can cut some good promos, and maybe maybe he gets punted into a retirement for a little bit, a little bit of comeuppance by uh, Drew McIntyre. That's not the worst storyline in the world. I just don't know where you go after that. Exactly. That's the, I don't know. And like I said, I kind of feel bad for Drew just in general. You know, it's not his fault with the pandemic. And I think having audiences would have put him over more as a a champion. And obviously he doesn't have that. So he's doing what he can, but it seems kind of stale at the same time. That's not, that's really not his fault. Yeah. And that and the, the entire heavyweight division of Raw is kind of, it could be good, I'll say that, but it's not done very well. I, I, and I would say, uh, like, I like the Ziggler match, but I thought his match with Bobby Lashley and uh, was a little better than this match. Am I crazy on that? And I'm not even a no. huge Bobby Lashley guy, but I thought that was, like, a really good Drew McIntyre match to make him for, overcome odds versus this one. For as much, you know, as much of... Uh, not as graceful Bobby Lashley is in the ring. It was more believable between the two of them, I think. And that's also with them building Lashley like shit for last year. Uh, it still was more believable, I think. And then at least that's, that's the big thing for me than Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. Just because like, why the fuck would Dolph Ziggler, like Dolph Ziggler should have challenged him to like an amateur wrestling match. Right. Or something. Like, what would be Dolph Ziggler's strength? Like, a cheerleading contest for the title? Since he can set the stamp on? Uh, 
Hey, that's, that's just cool. a joke on Spirit Squad, not on Drew McIntyre. I gave him the amateur wrestling thing first before I did the Spirit Squad joke. <laughs> I that actually, you know, I think Dolph's just come around to being like, whatever. I'm here. I'm making money, trying to get my comedy thing going. Um, but God, that stuff actually makes me feel bad for Jim Cornette. Just some of the, you know, the first round of OVW recruits were did really well. Obviously, they're some of the biggest names uh, of that era with. Randy Orton, Brock Lesnar, um, and Batista, and also obviously Shelton was a part of that mix. And but then Matt Morgan, his Hulk Hogan with the size of Andre, they give him a stuttering fucking gimmick. Johnny Jeter and fucking Drew, uh, with Dolph Ziggler become cheerleaders, and they make uh, Nick, uh, what what's his last name, Densmore, one of his top baby faces, mentally ill with Eugene. It's like what the fuck. No wonder Jim Cornette goes crazy after a while. God damn it. Yeah, I mean, if his booking time in OVW didn't break him, I'm sure it was his booking time in Ring of Honor at some point. <laughs> or, or TNA, I should say. I actually like his stint in Ring of Honor okay, now that I, I've went back and watched a lot of that this week. See, I, that's an error that I wish I got to have seen. Uh, was that time period where they had Kevin Steen and Seth Rollins and, you know, um, El Generico and just good stuff. But um, we're we're trying to avoid the last match. I th- Do you want to even talk about the damn Swamp match? What the fuck was that? So, who won? Uh, I guess The Fiend. So Fiend's the champion? No, the belt wasn't on the line. Was there even a fucking referee? There was no stipulations. Look, I'm going to say this and... God damn it. Sorry, I'm go say ahead. This. I like Braun Strowman. I do. And I think that they've kind of put the title on him and turned him into the big show. So now it's... When he was hot, they, they just fucking cooled his ass down. And we've said it a bunch of times. I like Bray Wyatt, especially as a mind within wrestling. I think that he's got a different style, and he brings a a very, very cool thing. But someone said, and I kind of tend to agree with them, um, that maybe Bray should try to, like, meet up with Rob Zombie and start making horror movies. Because I don't know what the fuck this was. It wasn't even a good horror movie, for one. I mean, all right, so Bron gets there. I'm going to do, like, a little summary, and I'll pass it to you, Chris. Um, Bron gets there. And sees Bray Wyatt on the rocking chair, rocking back and forth. And Bray Wyatt turns out the lights to a fucking swamp. He turns the lights off in a fucking swamp. All right, whatever. The the moon all of a sudden just disappeared or some shit. So we have Braun trying to find Bray Wyatt, making grunts and shit like that. Basically, a bunch of goons come and try to attack him, all with masks on. You know, just whoever, I guess stuntmen. Uh, and then he gets knocked out, he gets hit in the back by a shovel, and sees that it's him, <laughs> it's Braun Strowman, with the the black sheep mask, uh, and then he hits him in the face. So then he wakes up, and he can't get out, he's tied up, why he hasn't been taken, you know, why he hasn't lost at this point, I have no fucking clue. And Bray keeps on fucking with them, then they have this one scene where a stuntman gets thrown in a fire and he catches fire and runs away and Braun starts laughing about it. And then him and Bray actually fight in the fucking swamp, which 
you know, I suggested this, and now I kind of take it back of them doing something similar to Friday the 13th. That's exactly what they fucking did. You know, at one point, Braun emerges. You think that he took him out. Bray jumps out, grabs him, pulls him down. The the water starts bubbling up. Um, then it goes red, and then the fiend comes out at the end. We don't know what the hell happened to Braun Strowman. That wasn't answered on the, the Firefly Funhouse. Um, like I said, I love the creativity with Bray, but it just, oh my God, the execution, especially with this. And I don't even know if this might have been all Vince McMahon. I think a lot of the decisions, some of the cooler stuff Bray probably wanted to do, and a lot of the stuff is Bruce Pritchard doing stuff for Vince. You know, I, I don't, I don't, this was, this was a crappy horror action scene, basically. They have a lot more money. I'm just saying. Fucking. Would you have liked this match better if Undertaker showed up and killed all of them at the end? Because I kind of would have. Undertaker just, you know, did that and then left the, <laughs> the bell tolls on his fucking bike. That would be pretty good. Cool. <laughs> that would have been awesome. And then it's like, watch this Undertaker documentary. I'd be like, okay, at least they put something over in this match. <laughs> Fuck. God, um, I would. <sighs> where Where to begin with this shit show? I crapped on this the entire time in chat. I'm like, the fuck is going on? <laughs> he turned out the lights to the swamp, which was already dark, Dane. <laughs> I just... Don't insult my intelligence. <laughs> tends to do that, and I'm supposed to just kind of go for the ride, suspend my disbelief. I get that. But the, the 1970s stunt man... 1970s stuntman on fire though with the stagger fall like very jokingly like i want to see the tom savini director's cut of this i i bet he's not gonna put this on his imdb page i have a feeling <laughs> i don't even know if he was actually involved in this that might have just been rumors because where the fuck was his creative touch in this it seems like vince organized it it's... all right so what we're gonna do we're gonna take two of my wrestlers and make them fight in a swamp in florida where there actually probably are alligators, like, at nighttime. They should have had an alligator show up and had Braun, like, <laughs> suplex the they shit out have. of it or something. Oh, my God. If that <laughs> wouldn't have happened, I would have liked this. Come here, you alligator. You'll get these hands. And he suplexes him and goes running yeah. off crying. And then he picks up the alligator and slaps Bray with it. Like, yeah, there's ways to make this cool for what they were going for, but, like, we're going to do Camp Crystal Lake, except for it's going to suck. was <laughs> not one of the cool ways to do this. God. They, don't get me wrong. I, I mean, like I said, and I, you know, I think if we get to see Bray full tilt without people holding him back, creatively, I think that he can contribute a lot, but that's never going to happen. And some of this stuff, it's like, Bray, why don't you call up Rob Zombie or, or someone else and try to, like, you know, do a horror thing? Just, you know... Not whatever the fuck this was. This was dumb. I kind of want AEW to do like a murder hawk, one of these, with Jake. Yeah, that would be kind of cool. Because maybe WWE will stop doing it if someone does it better than the Boneyard match, which was good. But like, that was like. That was magic in a bottle, and they definitely didn't put as much effort in this. This felt more like when the Whoa. New Day went against the Wyatt family, which was just a recap of, like, the Hardy compounds, but not as good. 
And also, they had fucking Matt Hardy on their roster. Like, if you're going to do this kind of shit, why would you not get the guy that kind of, I would say, put this shit in motion as far as matches go? Well, we make movies. Chris, we've been doing that for a long time. Well, then Kane from See No Evil should have showed up and chokeslammed the shit out of everyone involved in this production. <laughs> God damn it. This doesn't help Bray or Braun, does it? Uh, if the idea is that they're combined into one person and they're going to start doing some weird film gimmick for every Bray match, no, it does not help anyone. I mean, except for AJ Styles, at least you can point to him and he's like, hey, there's an actual wrestling star on this show. <laughs> it's just the title is kind of irrelevant right now. And I mean, I, that's that's what's going to happen. We're now having we're we're positioning the fiend against Braun because I guess Braun won the first one. I guess Bray won the swamp fight. So now they're going to do it for the title, and then you put it back on The Fiend. You've already made The Fiend so stale at this point. It was lightning in a bottle, and now it's just kind of there. And the title on him, how the hell that is that going to benefit anything? He should have never had the title in the fucking first place. Ugh. He just he just killed both of them. I saw it on pay-per-view. Why the hell are there... Why is they, what is the match for? <laughs> Didn't The I Fiend just know. murder himself plus Braun? <laughs> Well, there is that other clone of Braun, remember, that was in the the woods with the mask on. So I guess they could. I don't know. Like so, I said, if they were creatively I, building this, if they're creatively building this, where Bray kind of puts the fiend persona on Braun and he's a champion and he's more of a management type, you know, either the fucking New Orleans one or the Firefly Funhouse, and they still utilize those other type of vignettes, I would. I would dig this, but that's not going to happen. It's going to be Braun losing to the Fiend, and then the Fiend has the title, and then who the fuck's going to take it off them? So, you know what they should do is combine them into one entity and just have the Fiend be the guy, and then cut vignettes, and then bring up Finn Balor to defeat them as the demon, because that's the only fucking mystical option I see out of this, as far as booking wise. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Big E will beat the Fiend and get that title. Which would be weird because, like, Braun has murdered New Day multiple times. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, so, like, it's like, you know, Big E's a big dude, but, like, <laughs> Braun did murder them <laughs> multiple times. So, I, I feel like, he, I, I don't know, man. Like, oh, we forgot one part that was dumb. Really fucking stupid. So, at one point, I'm so glad WWE keeps continuity. At one point, you hear this woman's voice, and Braun's, like, getting distracted by it. And it's, you know, I, I'm assuming, I, I thought that we weren't going to see her. She was going to disappear, and they were implying it's Sister Abigail. No, it's fucking Alexa Bliss. And they bring up, of all things, the relationship. And I think that at the time, me and you actually commented, it was very charming, their little relationship. But to make that go back to the fucking Mixed Match Challenge? What? <sighs> <laughs> like Alexa Bliss, also the least intimidating figure you can see in a swamp, <laughs> which is the other thing. Like, you guys out of every ugh. out of everything in a swamp, it, I mean, they could have had like, like I said, you like you said earlier, they could have alligators, they could have like, <laughs> they could have all sorts of shit, and then it's just like Alexa Bliss because mixed match challenge, <laughs> who was on the pay per view earlier. <laughs> 
So how oh. did she teleport to the swamp? <laughs> also, is she now a split character too in this universe? All of this, like everything no, he, after he just, Hell in he a Cell, visualized it. It's all hallucinations because we're seeing things without cameras there, of course. Uh, you know what Braun sees. Uh, so it's definitely not a fucking pre-done clip. So dumb. 1.5 million viewers on Raw, Dane. <laughs> oh, well, they got up a little bit this last week. It was 1.6, the second oh, lowest fucking rating. <laughs> like, Jesus. They, like, you can't put this shit out and expect people to think it's good. Like, if you're going to do this film stuff, do the film stuff. Like, create a separate wrestling brand that is just this stuff. Kind of like Lucha. Well, even Lucha Underground is still better than this shit. Like, they did you great. can... You can do this, and it can work, but you can't have your champion doing these matches that don't mean anything, and then just throw them in a fucking match later for the title. Because no one fucking cares. Nope. And no one gets over. I wish Okada was here just to fucking, like, <laughs> just rainmaker the entire creative team. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, fucking just... Television writers writing wrestling. Could you imagine them pitching this to, like, I don't know, Jerry Jarrett? <laughs> like, or even Dusty Rhodes? Like, this is the idea they're coming. Like, we're sit, they're in the office of FCW, and someone comes in and is like, all right, so this is what we're going to do. Friday 13 is pretty hot, right? And they're like, okay, okay. We're going to fight in a swamp. And he's like, okay, okay. And no match is ever going to happen. <laughs> Wait a minute, baby. Even when I tried Abdullah the Butcher in that one match, someone won that damn match. Uh, yeah, I don't. This, this was just <laughs> fucking terrible. Um, All right, before we move on, was this better or worse than the Hell in a Cell match? Oh, with Seth Rollins. Yeah, this was better. <laughs> Because at least it was coherent and not all over the goddamn place. Uh, I gotta hit you with my little hammer so I can get my big hammer out, sir. Jesus Christ. Hey, they fired uh, Eric Rowan. What's he up to? He could have showed up in this match. Show up on AEW. Fucking cut a promo. Release Bray! So what, what is it? Save Britney is the hashtag? Save Bray Wyatt. The fuck is going on? Uh, there's good ways to use utilize Bray, and I think it's more as a manager. Yeah, I, I really think, and you could still. It's kind of like what we were talking about, like with Eddie Kingston, you know, and if he was managing, but you can still use him in matches if you want to. Kind of what, what they're doing with MVP. But if you have Bray bring out Braun Strowman, and he's this ginormous version of the Fiend, and he's like the holder of that entity, and he's a champion, and Bray's just stirring the pot. And these weird prompt, I think it would be a hell of a lot more beneficial. Maybe that's maybe that's where they're going. Where I kind of I hope where Braun is a puppet, which I thought they were gonna do when this feud started, right? When they had that first match and Braun just won the title against Bray Wyatt, I was like, that was a weird fucking match. Just because I assumed the idea would be like, I'm gonna give Braun the title, but mind control him, and then they had the swamp fight. So I I. There's no logical booking here. 
like nothing makes any sense ever sometimes and as jim Cornette said he's a big fan of the creativity with bray wyatt but something like this would make blackjack mulligan his grandfather spinning his fucking grave just we're gonna do a wrestling match without actual wrestling or referee or anything like that that's not a fucking wrestling match also, once again, to point out, anyone drawing comparisons <laughs> to that Hardy compound match, there was a fucking ring with an actual finish. <laughs> Just <Yes>. saying. <laughs> like a reincarnation. Oh, Lord. All right, well, let's move on to Raw, because, you know, that was painful already. Um, God dang it. I just want to say, and, and I think that you feel the same way, man. I wish I didn't have to shit on the main roster's products so much. I really do. But at this point, because of the pandemic and where they're filming it, like I get it for impact uh, because they're impact. And I, I'm, I'm still going to give them the benefit of the doubt. But when AEW is able to do their stuff at, at Daly's place, at that big amphitheater, and you're able to like have more noise and, you know, more people and stuff like that, they basically, the pandemic turned WWE into an indie promotion, is how I feel with Raw and SmackDown. And NXT pulls it off. Not so well, much on Raw and SmackDown for me. NXT is more experienced at filming in smaller arenas, so I think it works a little bit. You remember when before, it, it took them like a month to get this, where they filmed hard cam like they normally film for the shows, and it was just an abyss of nothingness? <laughs> That was way worse. Like that first SmackDown that they so did awkward. with no crowd, it was especially because like we, I can't remember. I get was it? I don't know. I think it was like Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss were in the first match, and they were both just over commentating on their moves super hard. <laughs> I was trying to watch it with my wife, and she's like, "This is bad." <laughs> like normally, not a huge wrestling fan, but she was like. This is, like, even bad to my non-wrestling fan standpoint. <laughs> it turned them into a fucking indie promotion, man. That's what they look like. They have the same fucking set pretty much as Impact, which is not an indie promotion, but you know what I'm saying. Like, it's WWE. <laughs> I mean, WCW uh, did this for years at Universal Studios. So did, like, yeah. TNA. You can put out good shows with limited crowds, and they look good and sound good the pipe also these like pre-planted crowds with their chants um might be the most terrible thing i've oh, ever seen in wrestling god damn dude and the thing is why is it it comes off genuine during nxt but we're on smackdown it seems so fake is it because they're adding more audio and it's not matching up I think it's because the wrestlers on NXT are having better matches where the chants make a little more sense because it's faster paced. Um, but even on NXT, some of that stuff is very, very bad. Like the Bask in the Glory chants when nothing's happening or the claps when both people are down. <laughs> Instead of like, you know, if you put someone in a chin lock and they're going to sting up, right? The, the crowd's going to get behind that guy. That's when you do the arm Hogan arm shake you kind of hulk up and you get out of the move and you, you, you throw them into the ropes. They just do that when both people are down. They're like, well, I hope the baby face gets up first. Like who, like sometimes I just wonder if Vince has ever actually watched wrestling or is he just booked it for forever out of nowhere? Sometimes I wonder, and I'm not trying to be a dick if he's going through early dementia. 
And, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you. It does feel... It just feels weird, even with the plexiglass stuff they're doing. I'm glad that Kevin Owens threw his balls down and was like, if people aren't wearing masks, I'm not showing up. And then they put that rule out where it's like, if you're not wearing a mask, it's a $500 fine or whatever. But, like, that took for fucking ever. And then now it's... the The plexiglass... What does that do? Other than just add something for people to be thrown into, which I think is the actual concept. That's exactly what it's for, I think. So are they just going to do that at all shows? We have hockey plexiglass. And, and and how soon is it until you get like a really good hockey board check where someone goes through this fucking plexiglass and almost dies? Because that shit happens. <laughs> In hockey, at least. Yeah, I don't know, man. Especially if they're doing stuff like... I mean, I know it's Sasha giving a powerbomb to Io Shirai, but that's a dangerous spot in general. There's a lot of give, and it's not... Uh, I don't know. That's a good point. Yeah, but I, I think we're on the same page with the production of, of Raw. And to me, it's just... Just book a show. Like, give us a wrestling show. NXT at least gives us a wrestling show. I this weird artsy thing they're trying to do is like, I don't know. I, I don't even know what to compare it to. Honestly, it's, uh, it's bad. I'm just going to say it's bad. I did like raw, which we're going to get into. I thought it was okay. I thought it was much better than this pay-per-view, but damn, if, if anyone ever needed a reset ever, it's time to do a draft and reset and try to rewrite these shows. Fire the whole entire writing stuff. <sighs> All right, so let's get into Monday Night Raw. Uh, so basically, and thank you for the recaps from Wrestling Observer, Figure Four Online. Um, so Raw starts off, there is a video recap of the eye for an eye match, including a shot of Rey Mysterio holding his quote-unquote eye and Seth Rollins puking. Uh, this is followed by Tom Phillips welcoming us to Raw. Uh, as excited as ever, <laughs> Dave must have wrote this. As excited as ever, as well as shots of the live crowd, who were all as happy as can be. Seth Rollins and Murphy entered. Uh, Phillips let us know that Mysterio's optic nerve was not severed, and he should be able to have a full recovery. What the fuck? Uh, The crowd booed Rollins and chanted shame. I thought that was actually pretty awesome. (laughs) And if no one gets that reference, it's from Game of Thrones. Uh... I'm not going to go over the whole entire scene, but uh, just just search it and you'll find it. Um, well, maybe you won't find it on YouTube because I think Lena Headey's naked throughout the whole thing. Um, <laughs> maybe you also, won't find very, it. very, very planted chant, but funny nonetheless. <laughs> shame. Shame. All right. Rollins explained what happened in the match and said the visual will stay with him forever. Rollins asked himself if he regrets. Uh, what he did, and then asked the WWE Universe question, do you regret what you have done to me? He blamed the fans for making him and blamed them for what happened to uh, Rey Mysterio. Rollins said, what happened to Mysterio was unfortunate, but we can't dwell on the past. Rollins added, uh, Mysterio is out of sight, but he chuckled and said, nobody can stand in his way. Aleister Black interrupted, Black Pace to blame, or put the blame solely on Rollins and said that he is here to uh, rectify the situation. He ran down after Rollins, but Murphy cut him off. Black took out Murphy and entered the ring, but uh, Rollins bailed. 
and we get back from a commercial break, uh, and they had a match, and I thought they had a pretty damn good match. It just sucks that it it's at the expense of Aleister Black, because he lost. So I don't think he, and I'm almost positive I don't think he's won against Seth Rollins uh, when a couple times that they've interacted, and just like the dialogue, I just the way that they book Aleister Black compared to NXT is just kind of just annoying as fuck. Um, but uh, to be honest with you, I mean, Seth's heel work is, is working with me more so. I just, like I said, it's just the whole presentation of him talking, you know, like this with this cadence and, and blaming the WWE universe. It's just not as good as that swarmy heel that he once was for me. And, uh, yeah, this is also coming off the, the, the eye for an eye match. So this stuff really didn't work for me. I would rather a program with Aleister Black now and have some fucking competitive matches, but probably not going to happen. Don't know really where they're going. And Rey Mysterio, Chris, don't worry. The optic nerve wasn't severed, so he'll have a full fucking recovery. (laughs) All right. um, I'm going to fantasy book here a little bit. Say you do the match and Seth loses. He loses his eye, right? And or whatever the optic nerve is is tore. You could have had Buddy Murphy absolutely destroy Rey Mysterio after the fact, and then this Seth promo talking about being the Messiah. Like I said, look what I did for your sins, etc. Would have been great, and then you could have done something really cool. But instead, what they did was <laughs> what they did, and then Aleister Black lost a match that means nothing uh, to set up nothing. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, so there's way, like I said, there's ways to have booked this, even, even though I don't like this Seth Rollins character, there's ways that you could have booked this way better. Um, I'm frustrated by Aleister Black's booking. They did good when Paul was there, I guess, where they kind of gave him a little bit of a push, but now it's dialed back to 50, 50 booking, which doesn't work with Aleister Black's character. It's, nope. it's not, it's not going to work. Um, now, especially when you're doing swamp fights with f- f- fucking mysterious beings or what, <laughs> where they were to become one, uh, it's, it's, uh, I don't know, man. I, the match itself was good. They're good wrestlers. Fucking Seth Rollins, Aleister Black, great <laughs> workers. Yeah, they are. <laughs> like, like, I mean, like. You know, put this on Impact or fucking AEW or NXT. They'd probably have a banger of a match. <laughs> but, like, how do you recover from this? Like, Aleister Black, he probably showed up because this shit was not booked in advance. He shows up and they're like, hey, you're going to go against Seth Rollins. He just put Rey Mysterio's eye out. Also, you're taking the loss. But you're also Rey Mysterio's friend. And he just looks at it like in the mirror. He's like, this is not even my character. Like, how did I get here as a character? They, just, they forced me. They replaced me with Kevin Owens, basically, at this point. <laughs> the booking they were just doing for Kevin Owens. <laughs> which Kevin Owens would have been a better, which we know there there's weird shit with Kevin, obviously. But he would have been better fit for this whole Rey Mysterio thing, I think. Um, and coming back, he could have taken took i don't know man you got is the idea to build alistair black to a top star or is he just like a less than mid-level Kane? i think that he could be a damn top star if you booked him i mean this is the thing it's like it doesn't even have to be undertaker because that's like a hard concept 
Think of Taz from ECW. He didn't fucking lose. He had this prize fighter type of concept, you know, and I think Alistair kind of has that. He just has a little bit of mystique to him as well. But they just, they, I have no idea, man. I miss him in NXT. I really do. I feel like if AJ Styles looked around this entire roster and could pick out someone that he could work with and do a good program with, Aleister Black should be at the top of that list. Me too. You would think that that would apply, though, for Seth Rollins. And I know it's not Seth Rollins' fault at all with the situation. <laughs> but, like, if you had your scenario, Seth loses his eye, you know, they give the whole – they can attach it, but he wears a fucking patch for a little while, uses that promo, and then – but Buddy put out, puts out Rey Mysterio. They figure out the whole contract situation during that time period. And then Alistair comes out and is like, you're done. And they, they position him against Seth Rollins and build up to it. But no, he's just a person that's going to lose to him for no reason on Raw to set up absolutely nothing, like you said. Yeah, there'll be a tag match next week. So if you like this Seth Rollins versus Aleister Black match, tune in for the Seth Rollins with Murphy and Aleister Black with some random dude. I'll probably Kevin Owens, and they'll probably lose. And probably Aleister will take the pin. Man, I I feel like Kevin Owens loves this company just because it was part of his childhood. (laughs) Or he would have buried it already. Uh, All right. So, uh, Dave Metzler is just hilarious. Like, you can just tell it's him because, all right, this, this is what he said for the finish of the match. To finish the match, uh, oh, man, and of course, right when I'm fucking reading it, the, my, my computer screws up. The finish of the match wasn't set up well at all. As Rollins set up for the champ, Black was just sort of waiting on all fours for, for too long, and it seemed like he would, uh, you know, move but didn't. Uh, Rollins also took a while to make the cover. Black had a match won earlier, but if this was designed to protect him, it didn't work. Good job, Dave. I mean, that's a good synopsis of the finish of this match. <laughs> Not protecting Black and the finish kind of sucking. <laughs> it is. It is. So, so props on Dave, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> All right, so MVP and Bobby Lashley spoke to Ron Simmons in the back. He advised them that there's a better way to go about things. They d- bumped fists with Simmons, and he left. Our truth approached them and complained MVP or complimented MVP on his replica U.S. title belt. Uh, MVP tried to convince him that it was real belt, and he was a champion. Truth wasn't buying it. Lashley got in his face, which was just a distraction to allow Shelton Benjamin to attack him from behind. Benjamin kicked Truth and pinned him to win the 24-7 uh, title, and he seemed so happy about that. Benjamin left with MVP and Lashley. MVP, Lashley, and Benjamin entered the ring. MVP talked about Apollo Crews being injured and not keeping his word to be a fighting champion. MVP claimed he would have won the match anyway. He said that he would beat Dumb and Dumber, Ricochet, and uh, Cedric Alexander, and they would go uh, celebrate their championship uh, gold, uh, him and Shelton Benjamin, because Shelton's got the 24-7 title. <sighs> All right, so Ricochet and Alexander interrupted. Alexander said the Dumb and Dumber comment uh, may have been funny in 2006 when MVP's career was relevant. Uh, that, And then there's some quotation marks from Dave letting us know that movie came out from, in 1994. Uh, they basically called him a fake <laughs> champion and a chump. MVP called them 
kids and challenged them to a tag match against the two of his guys uh, since Cruz uh, wasn't going to be there. Ricochet and Alexander said they had a partner, and it wasn't uh, Cruz. They brought out Mustafa Ali. The three good guys took down Lashley with super kicks before clearing MVP and Benjamin from the ring. And they set up, like I said, a six-man tag team match. Mustafa Ali, Ricochet, Cedric Alexander going against MVP, Bobby Lashley, and Shelton. And basically, you know, I guess because, you know, Mustafa Ali – I like how he's Mustafa Ali again. He can have his full fucking name. Fucking Vince. Why, why can't Buddy Murphy be Buddy Murphy? Nope, just Murphy. Okay, whatever. Um, but, yeah. Because the... Murphy is going to jo- join Brazango in their super awesome investigation team because Murphy seems like a detective name. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, but at the end of it, Benjamin took out Alexander with the knee and Ricochet took out Benjamin with the moonsault. Ali avoided a big uh, boot by MVP, then hit a net breaker and the 450 splash for a pinfall win. This was pretty much all heat until the last two minutes or so. That wasn't my comment. That was another one of Dave's comments, just to clarify that. <laughs> um, but yeah. This helps out the baby faces. It makes them look good, but you know they were positioned as punks beforehand. So now Masaf Ali takes them over that hump to be able to beat MVP and just really questionable booking. That's all I have to say. Uh, Shelton should be happy about the damn 24/7 belt. And apparently, they revealed information. The past Intercontinental Champion, the the Gold Standard, hasn't won a fucking singles match since his first run. This is the first one technical win that he had, pinning our truth. For the fucking 24-7 championship since his last run in WWE, basically. Because he's mostly had tag matches, but he always loses matches. So, what the fuck? Just all... Chris, what did you think about this? I'm glad Mustafa Ali's back. I'll I'll give him that. Although, I guess the hacker thing is done. I don't know what the fuck happened with that thing. (laughs) That was going to be my first question, is did the hacker go the way of the raw (laughs) anonymous GM? Like anonymous GM GTV or whatever the fuck it was, all that crap. Just oh, it's just, gone. It's just done. No, we're done with that. Uh, that sucked because if that would have came back with Mustafa Ali and they had a good story for him, I thought that would have been really kind of cool. In a very Watch Dogs the OG game kind of way, like where he's this, hacking Batman. Yeah, and the, and the thing is, he positioned this idea. He kind of wanted this for a while. He wanted to be kind of like a vigilante, and they just shut it down. Well, I mean, they started it, I guess, because I can't think of who else that was for since they're never going to utilize it ever again. That's like with uh, Bray, like when Chris Jericho came back, but it was actually the Bray Wyatt stuff with the, the child swinging on that swing. And then they're like, oh, Jericho, we gave you these vignettes, and they just showed up with that light-up jacket and didn't say anything and walked around for a while <laughs> because Jericho's amazing. <laughs> but, uh, man, what a fucking banger of a, uh, a triple tag team though here with Mustafa Ali, Ricochet and Cedric Alexander. Jesus Christ. If you put it, when he gets back, if you put Apollo <laughs> with them and they're like a unit, that would be pretty awesome. <laughs> I thought this match was pretty good. Uh, MVP yeah. is doing a lot <laughs> for is. no reason. <laughs> He's he's like taking all these bumps and selling his ass off as like the oldest guy in the ring. So shout out to MVP being the best manager on the main product 
and also like still wrestling even though like after that rumble he's like i'm retiring so i know <laughs> no you're not hey yeah. pal MVP's great. I, I don't know how I, I I don't know if I care about this fake US title and the fact that it's moving uh between brands kind of. That's I don't. kind of, uh, Oh man. Um yeah, and also why didn't our truth come back out? Or did he? And I just missed it. No, he I don't think he did. Uh, Shelton's still the twenty four seven champion. Yeah, just weird. Also, our truth is uh, is also really really good. They should it's do awesome. Something. It's awesome. All right, so Randy Orton was in the back, cut a promo into the camera. He wondered if he ever, uh, he wondered if we ever look back at the moments that changed our lives. He reflected on joining Evolution, having a big match with Mick Foley at Backlash, and becoming the youngest world champion. Those weren't the moments he thought about, though. He thought about taking a steel chair to Edge's neck. He said Edge, Christian, the Big Show were all guys who once saved him from himself. It amazed him that a moment from his history uh, that, yeah, that a moment of this history that could bring him pain also brings him satisfaction. It felt fantastic knowing he ended Edge's career and ruined Christian's chance for one more match. He looked forward to ending Show's career once and for all. And then Ron Simmons was shown speaking to the Viking Raiders in the back. Phillips plugged the unsanctioned match and said WWE uh, can't be held liable for what happens. Uh, does that mean they can be held liable for Mysterio losing his eye? Uh, another Dave note. They aired a big <laughs> video package. That was really well done, man. Their video packages are awesome. And it showed the highlights of, of him being you know, the giant and starting off. And a really cool stat that I did not know that that show is the only guy to hold the WCW championship, the ECW championship, and the WWE championship. So they put over a good promo for him, but it still didn't help the situation at all. We knew it was going to fucking happen. Uh, and Christian was interviewed um, by the announcers via the internet. Uh, Christian said he will never look at Ric Flair or Randy Orton the same way. Joe asked for an update on his health. Christian said some days are better than others, but frankly, he doesn't feel that great. Maybe maybe he shouldn't have been in the COVID area. Um, oh, that terrible joke. However, he would try it again if it meant Orton getting what he deserves. He couldn't wait to watch the show knock out Orton tonight. Um, yeah. So, how how, how did you how did you? Um, I thought Randy's uh, promo was really good. Um, I like Dave shot at their logic cause it's true. Um, <laughs> thought the pro the, the, uh, the, the video package was good and I like uh, Christian's interview. Uh, s- some good stuff, right? Before I dive into this one and I kind of missed it earlier, are they going to do a nation of domination with Ron Simmons? I'm down for that. With MVP, Bobby Lashley, Shelton Benjamin, Ron Simmons randomly showing up, are are they going to try that? Yeah, but it's going to be weird because they're going to position him against Ricochet, <laughs> Apollo Crews, uh, you know, Cedric Alexander, and Mustafa Ali, who's obviously 
you know, like that doesn't make any goddamn sense uh, at the same time. But yeah, I was thinking that too. And it would be a good swerve if like Ron Simmons is like acting like this good guy. And then he comes out and just helps them annihilate someone and clarify them. But I mean, God, I don't know. I feel, I feel bad for whoever takes that first court fucking Ron Simmons clothesline that hasn't happened in years. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, Damn. No, no. I mean, that's just going around online. That that was a rumor I read and didn't really think about it until I noticed that Ron Simmons was in two segments on this show. Out of kind of nowhere. They've been doing that. They had Devon talk to them. I think they talked. No, they talked. He talked to the New Day on uh, Extreme Rules before their match. But you know, uh, Orton's promo, fantastic. He's been on fire, man. As much as I don't like Orton, um, what they've asked him to do recently, it seems like, I don't know, maybe there's a fire lit under his ass or something, but it's not the same old Orton I dislike. This is more a good version of Randy Orton, which is just legend killer Randy Orton. It's kind of the gimmick he's doing right now, which has been great, but he's also a legend. So hopefully the buildup is him and Drew McIntyre. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. To to pass the torch, maybe, you know, McIntyre, you just punch the shit out of Orton, and that'll be super over um, if they do it right. And um, Ron Simmons talking. Are we? Sorry, sorry. Keep on going. I didn't mean no, to. no, no. How many, how many months away? What? How many months are we in since WrestleMania? No, no, no. It wasn't WrestleMania. Well, since Edge, basically, the greatest match of all time. Like, how many months? He's out for six months, he said. Like, what are they positioning him back in the picture? And could it be that what they might do is have Randy Orton pick up the belt from Drew McIntyre and then have an Edge inevitably come back and take that belt from him? Oh, man. I That hurts your roster so much. I feel like it he does. I think he, I think he has to lose it way before an Edge rematch. Or Edge has to cost him the title or something. That would be awesome. But yeah, I don't know that if it, it all signs point to Randy Orton somehow winning this belt and then getting his head punted off, right? Yep. Or not Edge, but uh, RKO Randy Orton. Um, Orton's been on fire this year, man. Like honestly, he's been fucking great <laughs> this year. Which, like I said, I'm not a huge Orton fan, but for what they've asked him to do, I thought he's been pretty great. the The Christian interview was just weird for me because it's that weird internet interview in the middle of this very professionally taped show. Um, <laughs> I love how they do that. They were doing that before the fucking pandemic, though. Yeah, and then like Samoa Joe asking for updates on Christian's health. By the way. Someone put let Samoa Joe wrestle again, please. Um, you know what I loved, and I forgot to talk about it, was that spot that happened. I want to say, yeah, it was it was Seth Rollins uh, with Aleister Black where they were brawling, and he slammed Aleister to the <laughs> announce table and just talking shit. And you have the two other top Phillips and and um, Byron Saxton. They're both like get up out of their chairs and they're all worried about it. And Samoa Joe. Is just still just leaned, just staring at Seth Rollins like do something, motherfucker. I love Samoa <laughs> Joe. He he needs to come back in the ring, and it sucks because apparently he's fully um, put in for uh, for Jerry Lawler. So I hope they're not doing what they did to Savage and benching his ass 
That's what I was about to say, because Macho Man would have done the same thing in that exact same scenario, and it seems like that they have just savaged him, which is very unfortunate. Um, they man, did the same thing with Kurt Henning. You talk about a guy that could show up and, like, have a really good match with Drew McIntyre, and you got a feud going, like, fucking Samoa Joe. Yep. Like, that's one built in you didn't even have to think about. Like, all, all like, McIntyre has to do is accidentally spill coffee on him, and Samoa Joe could cut a promo about it and have a good match with him. It's it's just ridiculous. I, I He could he, be... It, he, he could be the one that takes out Randy Orton, you know, kind of position him a little bit babyface, like he is already, but he's still his tough self, and it's like, you know what, fuck this, and goes in the ring and stops Orton from doing something, like punting Ric Flair or some shit. Yeah, it, I mean, it's it's so weird with Samoa Joe, because the first couple weeks he was on commentary, I was like, this is awesome, because it was kind of like when Taz is on commentary, but they yep. dialed him back, like... If the amp was at ten, it's at four now. Like yep. he's he's just another guy on that commentating team. And every once in a while, he will say something that's very very wrestling centric, and you're like, okay, cool, Samoa Joe's there. But outside of that, man, they've taken everything away from what makes Samoa Joe great, which makes me very sad as a huge Samoa Joe fan. Me too. It kind of makes you think maybe he's injured and he doesn't. He has to retire or something, but they're just not talking about it. I feel like that he would just have one, like, hopefully they would have enough respect to give him one send-off match with Brian or, or AJ Styles and then announce he was retired. Yeah. Hopefully. If he was that injured, I would, I would assume he's going to let the contract run out and then do something well, on Impact or something to have that one last blowout. Just because, like... Samoa Joe's in the same mindset as, like, AJ Styles or Daniel Bryan or Edge, where yeah. it's like, I want... I mean, he said it. He loves fucking wrestling. This is not... If he retires on commentary or something, like, I don't know that he'll ever get over that one. Well, and it's just... It's, it's like, we keep on going back to it, but it's very similar to what happened with Randy. Randy presented this idea as opposed to him retiring. Now, and they would pull him out of retirement with Ric Flair... You know, and they had that awesome WrestleMania match and he won the title again. So it wasn't didn't last, but you know, he lost the ultimate order, they had to retire. He didn't want to do that. What he wanted to do was have a program with Shawn Michaels that would go for a whole entire year and build Shawn up where they just started this feud and then put over Shawn at the end of it. And then he wasn't gonna go to WCW, he was gonna retire after that. But he wanted it his way with the storyline and Vince just shut it down and said, Nope. You're going to be on Superstars as a fucking manager, or not as a manager, as a announcer. And that's what inevitably was like, fuck this, I'm going to WCW. But in that type of situation, we would have never had Sean and Razor, and we also wouldn't have had, you know, DDP and Savage later on WCW. So maybe it's better off. But Vince does this. When he thinks someone's too old, he benches them. I mean, it's not Samoa Joe's fault that he caught two concussions in the past year. That's just AOP's fault. Yep. Catch a motherfucker, dude. Or don't have Samoa Joe do sentons. <laughs> like, out to the outside of the ring. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm still heated about this. You're two big-ass dudes. Catch him. <laughs> like, I'm so Wardlow caught Cody off the top of a cage recently. And he's greener than shit. So, I, I don't know. Well, what I do know is that Sarah Schreiber interviewed Bianca Belair. Blair 
uh, wore earrings with a picture of her face on them. It's pretty funny. Belair wanted to be nice and help Ruby Riot. She also didn't care much for the thirstiest team in WWE. Peyton Royce interrupted her and suggested that Belair find a better partner. Riot also suddenly appeared in the frame and wondered where Billy Kay was. Royce said that she was off on business. Um, they argued for a little bit, and Belair threatened to whip Royce's ass. And then you had uh, Ruby Riot go against Peyton Royce without Billy there to cause distractions and bullshit. And, you know, with uh, Bianca Belair in her corner, um, she ended up winning. Uh, Royce controlled most of the match, but Riot ducked off the top and hit the Riot kick for the win. Riot was uh, emotional after the match because she finally beat an iconic member for a singles match. I think Dave's being sarcastic with that last part. But, you know, well, I, I'm, I'm glad Ruby Riot got a win. Um, I like that they're doing something with Bianca Belair. And uh, does Billy Kay have uh, COVID? Is that what happened? I don't know. We won't find out. Um, what did you think about all this? Three minutes, this, nothing is, bad. <laughs> is this a good way to build up Bianca Belair, is basically? Positioning her with Ruby Riot and the fucking Iconics. Is that going to help her? I, for, I honestly forgot. Even though you just said it, I forgot that she was even a part of this. I just thought this was something they threw on the show. Jesus Christ. Um, no, this is not a good way of position. Bianca Belair was so awesome at NXT. I, I, I don't know how you miss on that one. But, uh, yeah, this was like a three-minute nothing match that happened between some other matches that weren't good. Pretty much. It happened between a really good Randy Orton promo and then we had a tag match that was, like, awesome. So maybe I just missed this altogether. I don't know. Like, I just, I know Ruby Riot won, and I was like, holy shit, Ruby Riot won, but I don't remember anything about the match at all. Yeah, I, I tend to do that too. I like it when I get a breakdown like this where I'm like, oh yeah, that happened. Um, Charlie Caruso interviewed Angel Garza, Andrade, and Selena Vega. She asked Garza a question, but Vega answered instead. Uh, Vega said the Street Profits have been in hiding since her clients have exerted their dominance. Andrade said they would become tag champs. Garza spoke to Caruso when they were suddenly attacked by Montez Ford and Angelo, uh, Angelo Darkins. Uh, so now they're heels, apparently. Uh, Dave didn't write that. That was that. Uh, Raw Tag Team Championship match. Street Profits uh, ended up defeating Angel and Andrade. Same style shit. Uh, and the, the note that he has here, Street Profits won when Ford hit an impressive damn frog splash where he twisted midair to land uh, flush on Garza. Dawkins offense looked good too after making the hot tag. This was surprisingly a decisive win for the champions. And then afterwards Andrade and Garza spoke backstage. They were frustrated with the loss, but they didn't appear to be frustrated with each other. They had confronted them about the loss. Uh, Garza said they were on the same page. She told them to prove it. So, yeah, it doesn't really help out Angel Andrade. I like the tag match itself. I actually like the fire. Like, even though I think it's dumb to have the baby faces doing heel shit, it did show a lot of fire instead of all the fucking goofiness that's been presented with the Street Profits. And they handed them their asses, so I thought it was pretty good. Um, but, like I said, this doesn't help. I don't know where they're going with Angel Andrade. I thought they were going to have them go against each other, but I should stop trying to think they're going to do that. 
with Sasha and fucking Bailey as a good example. So maybe they have other plans, Chris, or maybe they have no idea what the hell they're doing. I mean, they still have a good storyline there with Angel and Zelina if they want to pull the trigger on it. It's just, are they going to pull the trigger on it, right? Um, I liked the, the the promo going into the match, and I thought the match was very good as far as like non-title matches go. They gave him a little bit of time, which was kind of surprising. Um, that the frog splash that uh, Montez hit was crazy. And I don't know. It was a good match overall, but I don't know what it does for Angel and, and Andrade. Like you said, like, where are they at now? I mean, you have your for, former IC champion, former NXT champion, just kind of stuck in one spot. Yeah, I don't know. Um... Then we had Bailey and Sasha Banks uh, have a promo. Banks came out with Raw Women's title, and Bailey told the crowd to congratulate her. Banks said there was no controversy. Uh, she fought for the belt, unlike Asuka, who was held the belt by Becky Lynch, or who was handed the belt by Becky Lynch. I'm sorry. She said Asuka spray missed in the face of the poor referee, and Bailey put the shirt on uh, because her match needed an official. Bailey said. Uh, she did the right thing because she's a role model. Banks called herself Two Belts Banks. <laughs> and now they have all the belts. Asuka interrupted. She said the title was hers. Banks invited her to come get it. Asuka and Kari Sane marched down but stopped when Stephanie McMahon's face appeared on the screen. Who is not at there. That, that should be a notable concept is that Stephanie's not fucking dealing with that shit. Uh, Stephanie congratulated Banks and Bailey on their success, but said her match with Asuka was indeed a horror show. Stephanie said Banks didn't win the match last night, but neither did Asuka. Stephanie made Banks and Asuka for next week to determine the new, uh, the real champion. She said it will be clear that Banks can lose by DQ count out if Bailey gets involved. So Bailey's going to be kind of out of this. Um, and he, Dave proposes, I suppose this means that the title is vacant. But it wasn't really clear. Saxton uh, con- continued to call Asuka the rightful champion. And then Kari Sane had a match uh, with Bailey. Uh, 15-minute match. It was pretty damn good. And at the end of it, Sane used a double foot stomp. But Bailey rolled out of the ring before she could make the cover. And they went to break. As Bailey rolled out, she fell into uh, Banks knocking her over. This wasn't planned spot, but Banks uh, couldn't help but laugh upon falling down. Um, and, uh, Kari Sane ended up winning. She defeated her. And it's noted that I think they filmed, they filmed this next Monday night. So that, that Kari Sane is, I think on that taping, that will be the last time, but it's, she finally got a fucking win. It's just, you know, her second to last showing, possibly her last showing. <laughs> and she beats the champion. She's not going to be able to go against it for the title. Uh, what are you going to do? Can't make this shit up, Chris. Uh, I like how Bailey and Sasha were doing their promo, how they were, like, trying to be concerned. Like, no, we're doing the right thing. They're doing a good job. Um, but they're also – they have all the fucking pelts. So I don't know. Uh, how'd you like all this shit, Chris? Role model. Really? As the Miz would say. Really? <laughs> really? I, I don't know. I felt like that was a, a poke at Bert Baker to some extent. But uh, I'll let it go. They have all the belts. Are they working both shows now? That's that's where we're at. 
there's no one that can beat any of like Sasha or Bailey. Also, like I don't know what's going on with Sasha, but she's been very sloppy. I, I think that she's just there at this point. Yeah. Can't really disagree with you on that. Bailey worked her ass off. Carrie worked their ass off. That weird finish was it was weird. Um, I don't know, man. Like the outside spot you're talking about was very weird. The uh, where Bailey, um, man, what happened? Where where Sane count, countered whatever Bailey's dumb move was called to the to the schoolgirl. I thought that was pretty good, just because it it has that amateur wrestling feel to it. If that makes sense. I I dude, you know what? The reason why, so I thought that was the end of the match because I forgot that fucking during this, it just shoots to Caruso doing an interview with Shayna Baszler. Um, and then they went back into it. But yeah, the ending of it had Bailey uh, blocked a spear with the knee and followed her with a back suplex and a flying elbow for a close near fall. Same countered a Bailey to, uh, Bailey to belly into a schoolgirl <sighs> for the pin. Same pins Bailey. Cool finishing sequence. Oscar was ecstatic, and then she got uh, Sane got very emotional outside. Do you do you think Sane's done? I think that she'll be on Raw, maybe in the corner of Oscar, and then that's the last time we'll see her. I'm kind there of is, feel, there kind is a of rumor the same way. <laughs> there is a rumor though that they're trying to get her to stay because once they actually make them jump, I mean this is post COVID though, so I don't know when the fuck. They'd be able to do that. Basically, her being the ambassador and kind of starting up the Japanese promotion for NXT. That was something that they were trying to get her to stay for, but I don't think she is. Anytime WWE tells you you're an ambassador of anything, that means you're relegated to just being mid-card forever. So if I was her, I would leave. But I like, the finish. <laughs> I like the finish of this match. I would much rather see Kerry Zane back in stardom against like B. Priestley. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know if the money works out for her. That I mean, that's a different question. Like, if they're gonna pay her a fuck ton of money just to be there, then that's that also get that money. You know what I mean? Like, at some point, you like yep. get that money. It's like Carrie Zane's one of the best female wrestlers. I was so excited for her, Carrie Hojo coming in there. If you go back and listen to some of these episodes, I was so ecstatic. So ecstatic on this. And NXT booked her so well. And then that Royal Rumble and then just shoved into nothingness on the main roster. It's just like, I, I don't know. No, like, no. She's... From nothingness for a while. And then they turned her heel. They turned one of the best baby faces they had into a heel. I thought the finish was cool. I liked I liked that someone just took that the the I hate saying this name Bailey to Belly which is just like a wrestling takedown wrapped into a schoolgirl like just out wrestled you pin I thought that was kind of cool just from oh like, did you catch, notice catch, did you notice that style. she uh she did that corner spot that the dumb one that Bailey used to do when she was a baby face just to make fun of her I thought that was pretty funny <laughs> when she backs up and goes woo oh yeah. Hey Bailey Love used to be Bailey. Bailey has been really good in the ring recently, 
it's just in under very unfortunate circumstances because man this 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 all, every like this crew has all the titles thing that's rough does Oscar beat Sasha uh, this Monday I would hope so I mean have maybe all the titles well all right, so Shayna shows up, and then they do, like, a three-way, and they put both belts on the line. Why, why does it have to be two belts now? Damn it. I, I got to blame I gotta ba- I gotta blame this on Becky Lynch a little bit because of the two-belt thing got over. Becky, but, two belts. But the NXT, like, the NXT champion was, like, someone else deserves an opportunity, so I'm just going to relinquish this title. <laughs> Uh, so, so can we get some kind of agreement on double belts in WWE? <laughs> I don't know. All right. So uh, Schreiber found Drew McIntyre and asked him, what kind of condition are you in after that brutal match at, uh, against Dolph Ziggler last night at Horror Show at Extreme Rules? She said, this is record speed. Uh, McIntyre felt like he fell down a flight of stairs but he was still the champion and felt good. He was going to the ring to address his future. McIntyre uh, credited Ziggler for picking a clever stipulation, admitted that Ziggler almost had him. However, coming up short was a story of Ziggler's career. (laughs) Damn. Uh, That means that someone wrote that. Ziggler had to be happy about that. Uh, Up next was SummerSlam, and he wanted a worthy opponent for such a big show. Ziggler interrupted. Uh, he said he saw fear in McIntyre's eyes for the first time. McIntyre was sick of seeing him. Ziggler, con- and so are we. Uh, Ziggler continued to talk, so McIntyre told him to bugger off because he beat him 24 hours ago. Ziggler kept pleading his case until McIntyre told him he was embarrassing himself. McIntyre wanted to do him a favor, so he went to, uh, so he went to leave the ring. Ziggler was about to go after him, so McIntyre knocked him down with a headbutt before McIntyre could leave. Ziggler basically begged him for a rematch under whatever circumstance McIntyre wanted. He could pick it, uh, the place, the time, the stipulation. McIntyre liked the idea. He accepted. Ziggler wanted to know the stip. McIntyre uh, was going to wait until it was time for the match, just like Ziggler did. So... Once again, another situation where they're just, uh, I mean, I get it. Maybe it's good strategy, but you're having a bunch of rematches from your pay-per-view, and you're just, like, letting them know, like, next week, we got this. And I know that Raw's trying to do whatever, but I, why would Dolph Ziggler put himself in this position, Chris? I thought that Drew was great throughout this. I like that he, he pointed out that he was, uh, you know, kind of coming off embarrassing. Uh, but so Dolph's going to propose this idea lose to Drew McIntyre, and that's going to help him out. What the fuck? Any stipulation in which Drew McIntyre doesn't say, I just want a normal-ass match where I have a champion's advantage of a DQ or just walking out of the ring or getting a 10 count where I still retain the title makes him a super fucking dumb babyface. That's my big problem with this promo. Also, like, when uh, was it Shara Schreiber that did the interview at the very beginning... All, all he needed to say was when she was like, how are you feeling after this giant little, little, little match or whatever? He's like, leg feels fine. That's all he needed to say. Like, yep. 
<laughs> the leg feels fine. Kick that dude's head off, basically. And then you could have Ziggler come out or whatever. Sometimes they have, like, we don't need these long, rambling speeches from everyone. Not everyone is that great at the mic. And McIntyre, I don't think he's a bad promo, but, like, to me, if he was just like, how do you feel after that b- big match where he he retained? Filled on a flight of stairs. <laughs> yeah. Instead of saying all that, like, how do you feel? Like he's the he's he's supposed to be a big badass. His response should be like, "My leg feels fine," and like clap his thigh or something. You know, like don't sell like, "Oh, Dolph Ziggler almost got the best of me," because Ziggler's not on his level. And he says it later on in the promo, so it's like you could have summed that up in one sentence, realistically. <laughs> I agree. I I don't want another match with him and Ziggler. I don't. But we're going to get it, and Ziggler's going to be out for four months and show up on the other product. I mean, what's the stipulation match? Like, what what is the, like I said, anything outside of just, like, it, you're the baby face, so anything outside of a normal match doesn't make any sense because you just beat this guy with all the odds pinned against you. You had to wrestle with normal wrestling rules. <laughs> like... Why would you not just pick a normal wrestling match? I don't have an answer for you. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I guess we'll find out next week. I like that he did the same thing to Ziggler, but, like, why did Ziggler think that he was going to tell him when he fucking just fucked him around with the last one? Like, of course he's going to be like, oh, I'm doing the same thing you're doing, you idiot. I'm going to fucking bring it up right before the match. You well, I mean, the- if, if Drew shows up and he's like, it's a normal wrestling match, that's awesome. But I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I would love that. That would be really just a normal match, and I'm going to kick your ass, basically. That that makes him look tough and smart. Uh, all right, so we're we're finally on the last thing, the uh, the big finale, the unsanctioned match with Randy Orton and Big Show. Big Show cut a promo in the back. He said Orton systematically took out everyone who helped him out of his hole. Show knew. He was next on the list and knew his career was in jeopardy. Did he really say that? Show hopped, hoped the sadistic side of Orton wouldn't show its head again, but it did. Whether it was influenced by Flair or the voices in his head, because there's a song for him that says that. Show recalled tagging with Orton on the road, and they gave themselves the nickname The Hammer and the Chisel. He recalled the talks they had about trying to change your stripes, and they bonded because they knew what they were, you know, dealing with. Uh, It's different now that Orton was brought back as a legend killer again. So I asked him himself if this was the end of the line for him. He said, Tigers are their most, are, are their most dangerous when they fear being uh, close to the end. He knew he was at the end of the line, but Orton wouldn't write the end of his story. Uh, this this was a good promo from from Big Show. I didn't like how he put over Randy Orton a bit and, and even admitted that his he's probably going to get face the end against Randy Orton. Like with 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 promos, he'll should put over baby faces because it makes sense with the psychology that you know if you say that they're a bunch of like an idiot. Or, or they're terrible, you know, you just beat a terrible wrestler basically presented. So uh, with baby faces, though, I don't think they should give credibility like they're actually worried about losing, especially if you're the size of the fucking big show. So that had me out of it. But 
it came off very emotional. I hope that Big Show, if he does have, you know, the quote-unquote one last match, they do that on fucking WrestleMania because maybe he's just realizing that this is definitely a slowed down, but he hasn't really – I mean, that's been his shtick for a while. I mean, he was full on the roster, and then he had that match with Braun, and he kind of took, you know, a smaller role and comes up here and there. But uh, I thought this was good emotion. Uh, I just didn't like how he, he put over Randy and, and, and questioned himself in it. But I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe I'm thinking too much into it. Chris, what would you think? I don't think you're thinking too much to, into it at all, because, like, would Andre the Giant say this even towards the end of his career? No. Because you're bigger and better than everyone else. You are the big show. You're 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 the monster among among men before the monster among men. You're you're what what do they book him at? Seven foot four, five hundred pounds or some shit? He shouldn't care about Randy Orton. Randy Orton should be a gnat to him. Whether Randy Orton's beat him in the past, he could say like, Hey, I respect what he's done or what like there's ways to put over the heel without putting them over. Um, I thought it was a very emotional promo, but I had a lot of the same the same hangups you had because with the with the oddity that is the big show, the attraction, so to speak, of just being that large, he should never sell to a heel like that. Never. Nope. He he can have a manager do that, like you can have Bobby Heenan or you know the Million Dollar Man be scared about Hulk Hogan. But, like, if he's cutting the promo, he should never be scared because he's the biggest motherfucker in the ring. <laughs> like, yep. you know. So uh, I had the same hangups. You, I, I know they're trying to put Orton over as a heel, and I think they did a good job. And I I still don't understand the flair thing with Orton unless Orton's just going to punt him to the moon very soon. Um, but, you know, show cut a good promo. I, I just don't necessarily agree with the content. And uh, match was okay for, you know, for being an Orton Big Show match, which is going to be very slow and methodical to begin with. Yeah, exactly. So the match breakdown, um, Show said in the promo that Flair would be at Orton's side, but he wasn't. That is a good point, Dave. I didn't even realize that, that he wasn't there. Um, Show knocked Orton down uh, with a spear. Before grabbing a table, Andrade and Garza ran down to attack show. As Vega watched from the ramp, the Viking Raiders made the save. Everyone started brawling. They had a break. They came back. Orton went for a punt, but Big Show grabbed him and hit the choke slam for a near fall. Show set up for a KO punch, but Orton left the ring. Show set up a table in the ring and placed Orton on it. Uh, show tried a splash off the second rope and crashed through the table after Orton's move. Orton followed with an RKO, but Show kicked out. Orton grabbed a chair and used it replete, repeatedly before hitting, uh, draping DDT off the top rope onto the chair. Orton then hit another RKO for the pinfall. As Show struggled to his feet, Orton punted him, and then the show pretty much ended. Right after that, he uh, killed the Giant. He did kill the Giant, and they need to protect his move. The, the entire idea and what makes the RK, RKO work is the same thing of what makes the Sweet Chin music, in theory, work when it originally was a thing. You can pop it out of nowhere, and that's a finish. Now I've seen three or four people kick out of this recently. So I don't... If I'm Randy, I would protect the shit out of that move. 
and say, I'm not doing any false finishes with this move. If I do a draping DDT into a pin or angle slam that he's done before, or he figures out a submission or something else, they got to work something else into this. But I, like I said, I like this match overall. If I'm Randy Orton, I'm protecting the fuck out of my RKO though, because otherwise it's going to be like Seth Rollins' curb stomp where you're doing like 17 in a fucking match. Yep. And that was Raw. And uh, that was was Raw. Some good wrestling. Some storylines progressing well. This was actually taking the Randy Orton build down a little bit to me with the interaction with Big Show. Uh, But they'll build it from there. You know, he's sinister and he's evil and he's punting people in the head. But, uh... Yeah, that was that was that took forever. I never ever say that about AEW and NXT, even if I <laughs> inevitably don't like the shows overall. I never have this attitude. It's they have no legends left for Randy Orton to kill. That's the problem. He's like the legend now on there. Ugh. I don't know. Like I said, maybe he'll go for a kick to Ric Flair and Smojo will stop him. Or maybe he'll decide to choose Joe and fuck him over and then give him a punt. And then Joe comes back uh, as a wrestler and takes out Randy Orton. But probably not going to happen, I would say, Chris. Probably not going to ha- I mean, maybe have him punt Stone Cold. What? Get the, get the real heel heat or Taker or something. Like, I... Who's left for him to kill? He killed all and the And you legends. know what doesn't help? You know what doesn't there. help is two factors. One, Randy's a legend himself. He is literally in his 40s now. I think he's like 44. That doesn't help. And the second thing that doesn't help is that The Fiend just did this. He, the Fiend just killed legends. He even has the pictures in the fucking background. So it's like his, his shtick was just done by Bray Wyatt. Yeah, and we both said, like, they should roll with that. That'd be really good for his character and making them into puppets and stuff. And now they're just like, nah, Randy Orton's a legend killer. Which is good, because that's a very good-ass Randy Orton. But, man, like, I don't know. Maybe you shouldn't have fired Matt Hardy, I guess, Jeff's next. Like, who's who's a legend left on the roster? Yeah, Randy's going to show up on SmackDown to take out Jeff. Like Ray with his no eye or whatever. Like, like I don't want to mess with Ray Mysterio. Seth already took your eye. I mean, if The Rock wanted to do it, you you could do something with The Rock or Austin. But at this point, man, they've they've shuffled through these legends way harder than they ever should have. Um, Maybe his old of, nemesis, uh, John Cena, will come back to take out Randy Orton. But, like, John Cena, like, kind of came up at the same time, so it's, I, I, it's... I'm a legend. You're a legend. (laughs) We're both legends. I'm John Cena. You see my new Fast and the Furious movie? It's going to be awesome. Telling you, man, if you want to make a superstar, you have Randy do all this sinister shit, and then Tommaso Ciampa shows up. And fucking fucks his ass up, and they start a feud, and you put Tommaso right on the map, and he goes by the moniker of the real legend killer or something like that. Well, we, de- we definitely talked about that, because Ciampa was, like, yelling about 
how Randy perceived what NXT is. It's like, all right, when, when you guys have a good match on TV like we do, call me back, basically, is what Ciampa said. Yep. <laughs> He's like, you boring fuck. So that was. I think great. most of us. And I think most of us were hoping that was setting up a situation between the two of them, like it was a work, but no. Uh. No, apparently Ciampa just really defended his roster, and it was a shoot. <laughs> I mean, that's what we got to take from it at this point, right? Yep. <laughs> so, uh, good right. on Ciampa. Also, asshole on Randy Orton. Yep. Like, don't bury right. the product you're a part of, the company you're a part of. Even if you don't like that style of wrestling, it's still part of the same fucking company. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And not only that, but, dude, he did it again. Whenever he hits a punt, he slaps the side of his leg. So the same shit that he gives fucking people, he does. Stupid. Triple H, that's the last legend. Until someone knocks him off his throne, I guess. Once Randy Orton claims, in quotations, the throne, it's, I mean, Triple H is the last, right? I, uh, I, I, I don't really want to get punched in the head. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, could be. He could punch Sean. That would piss off people. Maybe yeah, but him, with them. yeah, him punting Sean would just be the build-up to him punting Triple H at this point, though, right? Yeah, Sean comes out, tries to reason with them. Maybe after he kicks Rick in the head, fucking bitches him out. Randy punts him in the head, and then Triple H comes after for Randy. Uh, and they have them have a feud until Edge can come back. And, you know, because apparently they're building up. They want next WrestleMania to be Edge and Orton again. So that's a lot of planning for them in advance. They don't usually do that well. Yeah, hopefully Edge is uh, healthy enough. Yep. All right, so let's, let's start SmackDown. I, like I said, I thought SmackDown was pretty easy last night to get through for the most part. God, stating like that's not the best. I thought a lot of the wrestling was good, and a lot of the storylines progressing was good. I still don't know how I feel about the bar fight, even though Jeff won. I just think putting him in that situation is just shitty. Um, he didn't look happy about it on the little documentary that they did, where they kind of went over Jeff during that time period, like – he went over his whole entire demons and shit, and I just don't think presenting him as a junkie or whatever the fuck and making him do a goddamn bar fight. Um, I'm just glad that no beer was spilled on him. I was like, if anyone fucking does that, that's going to be fucking shitty. Although he was dragged viciously throughout the bar. We'll, 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 we'll get to the bar fight. But uh, in the back, Jeff Hardy discussed tonight's bar fight against Sheamus. Hardy promised to overcome the demons and defeat uh, the bully that is Sheamus. They cut to Sheamus giving his thoughts on the match. He mocked Hardy and promised that Hardy was going to end up uh, in the gutter. Sheamus' uh, personal bartender was busy getting the bar ready for the show. JBL gave his thoughts on the match by Zoom. He's saving his predictions for later, but is confident it's going to be a great match. Um, yeah, so we're, we're doing the bar match, dude. <laughs> so, uh should should I just should we just go ahead and talk about the bar match? We can. I thought it was put together well uh, with the sequences, although it was another thing of stupidity with putting the hat on Jeff Hardy and then he takes it off and now he's Brother Nero with the eyes and just did that randomly and then you know obviously he didn't take a bump I don't think onto the fucking concrete floor. You know it was shot like a fucking like 
like the movie strip. It just it 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 looks it's. I know wrestling's not real, but this screams not real even more so. And it was a pretty good bar fight, but like I said, I think it's not right to have Jeff Hardy in this situation at all. I feel like the rest of the roster needs to sack up and say, stop putting this guy in these kind of matches. It's stupid. I don't care if he agrees to it, but like this is dumb and very exploitative. Like, in any case, the match itself I thought was okay, but I don't think that fans are going to... Like, fans that have followed Jeff Hardy this long are not going to be excited about a bar fight with Jeff Hardy and Sheamus. Right? Yep. I, at the end of the day, you want to see the baby face succeed, and you guys are continuously putting him in situations where, as a person, he might not succeed. <laughs> Which sucks. I hated it. And every time they give me one of these, I fucking hate the rest of SmackDown. So I'll try to be positive, but... Like, fuck, man. Like, seriously? Like, New Day. Stand up and be like, stop fucking doing this? Like, anyone on the SmackDown roster, like, stand up and be like, you know, he actually does have an addiction problem. So maybe we don't do an addiction problem storyline. This isn't where, like, CM Punk is straight edge and Jericho poured whiskey on him. Or whatever. That's and it wasn't actually whiskey, but that was the storyline, right? Where Jericho's like, I'm gonna make you not straight edge. This is fucking way different. You're talking about a dude's personal demons like this on screen for months at this point? Against and, Sheamus, who means dick and, all <laughs> And you just brought it up. They made CM Punk cut a promo when he had a fucking feud with Jeff Hardy pulling out his demons. Like why? He's one of the so, best wrestlers from his generation, man. And to treat him like this, it just... I would rather Randy Orton punt him in the fucking head. Yeah, me too. Because at least we'd get a good match out of that before Randy punted him. Like, yep. he's not going to have a good... I mean, he's trying to have good matches with Sheamus, but Sheamus is Sheamus. So, like, I don't know. I I hope his contract's up soon. I know they're, this is like their way of trying to put him over I or bury him, I guess, because they gave him a win now. But, like, this is just sadistic to some point. Like, to me, at least. It's very, like, torture porn. I, I don't want to see this shit. It, it's not needed in wrestling. Like, it's very open that Jeff Hardy has these problems, and you're putting him in these fucking storylines. And, like, the payoff is he lost to Sheamus twice. So now he has a bar fight. So, like, all of it is fucking ridiculous. And it, it disgusts me. I, I, I guess I'm just more sensitive to it. <laughs> but, man, like, <laughs> I, I don't know how they think this is a good idea, ever. Whenever they book these this shit, I completely agree with you. I completely fucking agree with you. All right, so let's start off with uh, WWE's woman uh, champion tag team champion SmackDown women's champion Bailey and Sasha uh, made their way to the ring. Banks came out carrying the Raw Women's Championship. They celebrated having all the belts and showed the new dictionary definition of greatness, which included a picture of Bailey and Banks. <clears throat> Bailey noted they ushered in the women's revolution, but now the revolution is over. It's the begin of the Bailey and Banks era. 
Bailey and Banks were great in the opening segment, noted by Dave on here. Uh, Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss interrupted. Cross was furious and demanded a rematch against Bailey. She pointed out that Banks stole the title from Asuka. Bailey agreed to give Cross a rematch as long as she can win a match against a former SmackDown champion and future Hall of Famer. And she was making it look like she was going to choose Sasha like she's done before in the past. But Bailey, uh, what with Alexa Bliss, the winner takes on Bailey next week. Cross and Bliss briefly shared words. Cross then shoved Bliss on the ground and said, "We have to," and headed to the ring. Bailey and Banks couldn't hide their glee when Cross pushed Bliss. Nikki and uh, or uh, Bailey and um, Banks joined Michael Cole and Corey Grace for commentary. And Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss, I think they had a good match. Um, and I like the intensity. I like the reasoning with the storyline. What killed it for me is, so at the end of it, Cross, you know, it, it gets it gets worse and worse between the two of them. They start getting more into it and just, you know, just beating the hell out of each other. Uh, and Cross ends up winning. But then they have this pre-recorded. You could tell because they don't look like they just went through a fucking wrestling match segment afterwards. We're like, sorry, sorry, we're friends. And it fucking just ruined it. It just, like, why? Like, let there be a little bit of tension. Let that linger for a little while. Like, what the fuck was the point of them getting so nasty with each other if they're just going to be like, I understand. You're going for a title shot. Thank you, Lexa. Like, I hated it. So, thought the match was good. I liked Sasha and, and Bailey at the beginning, I liked them on commentary with Michael Cole because uh, they call out stuff that I would like to say to Michael Cole a lot of times. <laughs> um, but I thought that that ending sequence, especially the fact that they didn't do it directly after the match and it looked like both of them, you know, it was it was it was clearly from beforehand. And I thought that was really fucking dumb. What do you think, Chris? All right, I'll say this. The match itself. Pretty good. Now, let me bury it. <laughs> You're a tag team. The other people that you're arguing with are the tag team champions. You want a title? Go win the fucking tag team champions. You guys have literally three women's tag team champions, like tag teams in general. Yep. Am I wrong on this? Like the whole reason they have four belts is they're tag team champions. You're a tag team. Go win the tag team championship belts. Why are you arguing with each other? It would make more sense if there were other tag teams that were like, oh, that's hilarious. We should definitely push them to feud with each other so that we can win the tag titles. But there's three tag teams, Dane. Three. Yep. I... I, don't well, get I, guess, it. I, I mean, I guess technically two. We have the Iconics because they're splitting Bliss and Nikki Cross up. So we have the Iconics. Well, no, I guess they negated that because, like I said, the biggest thing to me that was so dumb was you had the two of them at each other's throats progressively throughout the match, which I liked. You know, it makes sense. It's like you don't want to do it, and all of a sudden you start getting heavily into it. And then they just fucking took the pot off the stove immediately afterwards with them in the back with that sequence that was like, we're still friends, we're still friends, yay! Like, it was so dumb. It negated all of it. Why? I, I just don't understand. They're a tag team. Why are they not going for the tag team titles? I don't know. I guess Nikki's pissed off that she got fucked over for the belt. I get it on that aspect, but you're right. They should be trying to be like, hey, those titles that you took from us and kind of fucked us over, we want those back. 
But instead, well, I mean, if they're tr- if they're true friends, one will win the tag titles, and then two, since everything's allowed on every brand, we can also win the singles titles and be the same thing that they're doing right now. They they don't look smart in this at all. No, it's just I mean, well. Like I said, Nikki Cross is doing that Beavis impersonation for years, so. <laughs> but uh, I, I think this is just bad booking, man. Like, I, I don't know. They they need to either unify. They they have to do something with these tag titles somehow. I, I don't even know how you, how you do it. AEW's got a good idea with this tag tournament, but it's just a trophy afterwards. So, man, like... I don't know how they fix this this double the double belts mean so much less when it's just I have a title in the tag title and there's no other tag division. It's I mean, I've said it many times and I think you've agreed with me in the past. The best thing to do for those belts is they actually gave a shit was have whoever has it right now being Bailey and Sasha lose to someone on XT, let them build tag teams because they'll actually have some and they'll actually put value in those fucking belts. If not, it's just props. Hey, this is a good idea for uh, uh, Robbie E. and his new crew. Show up and take these tag belts. Yeah. It, it, it gives something for Aaliyah to do, and Mercedes Martinez is awesome. I know you'd be super stoked if Aaliyah had a strap around her waist. <laughs> Yeah, and they so. can still position her the same way where Mercedes does almost all the work. And she comes in and, like, you know, almost loses or something. And, you know, you could definitely have a good dynamic there. I like that. And then just take them back to NXT. And it's like, if you want it, come get it. We're over here. And then you can, like you said, you can build tag teams off of that. It's just, it's so weird. The dynamic is they have no one else left to face. And they want Alexa versus Bailey or Sasha. <clears throat> yep, I agree. So, I don't I mean, does Banks and Bailey have to defend both titles on the next pay-per-view? I have no idea. Because that'll be interesting. That could be a cool storyline. Where it's like, oh, you guys think you're awesome. We put a bunch of random tag teams together. Hope you guys can survive. And then they also have to defend both title belts afterwards. I'm completely down for that. I mean, that you could make a star right there. Like, you could... If Bailey came out of that, like, Macho Man out of the Royal Rumble winning the uh, the belt, or that tournament winning the belt, you could you could do some th- stuff where you turn a heel, a baby face, very quickly if booked right. But it's WWE, so I'm sure it's, it's just going to be the Iconics. Uh, all right, let's, let's keep on moving. Yeah. All right, so the show highlights uh, from the Swamp Fight from Extreme Rules. There was highlights between Braun Strowman and Prey Wyatt. And then we had the Firefly Funhouse. It opened up with a shot of the Fiend's lamp. Uh, Bray Wyatt celebrated that Braun Strowman came home. The lamp started talking to Wyatt. He laughed and noted that the Eater of Worlds, Bray Wyatt, already had his chance against Strowman, and now it was someone else's turn. Wyatt turned to the screen and said it's now the Fiend's turn. Wyatt revealed that he unleashed the Fiend at Extreme Rules. Wyatt laughed and waved goodbye. They recapped. Oh, wait. Uh, well, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll worry about that in the next part. So, yeah. So, they're going to go with the Fiend now. 
going against Bray Wyatt. We don't know where Bray is. Is he trapped by, by, uh, I don't even know, man. I mean, I like these segments, but it's just like diminishing returns. It's like you have such a great buildup with the character of the Fiend, and then every time you put him in a situation, other than, you know, the match that he had with Daniel Bryan was pretty good. Um, it just doesn't really go anywhere. I don't think they should have ever put the title on him. I think that just gave him a spot to lose. I hated when he fucking lost to Goldberg. thought that was just terrible. Um, then again, Goldberg's built is someone that's built so well that I guess it's believable in kayfabe, but not his age. Uh, and I don't know where they're going with this, but another Firefly Funhouse. Chris, there was apparently highlights of the Swamp Fight. Cause they definitely no, they <laughs> no, they weren't. <laughs> there was no highlights of that. Um, all right, so I'm going to try to recap this so it makes sense. Bray Wyatt lost and Braun won, but in reality, The Fiend won. So now Bray Wyatt is saying it's The Fiend's job to beat Braun? Yep. Okay. He's, that makes he's, <laughs> he's Mick Foley with the face of Foley. No, because at least Foley shit made sense. <laughs> like, yeah, he even made a sequence where all three of them were talking to each other. Believable. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, all right. So Fiend versus Braun Strowman for the title. Hopefully, in another swamp match. Under under the water this time. This is going to be in hell. A hellfire and brimstones match. And a volcano. I swear to God, I hope Undertaker just shows up and demolishes both of them and then just has another match with AJ Styles. <laughs> like. Be down. Would be completely down. <laughs> like. Because they, they did such a good job of the Firefly Funhouse in this character. But as we've talked about, it this thing is. Finishing returns. Yeah, for me, it's it's fallen off a fucking cliff. So now I don't even care about the Firefly Funhouse. I'm like, what's it leading to? Who cares? God, he was taking out legends. He was showing up randomly. He was fucking people up. It was such a great horror-like character that when I showed people that don't watch wrestling, they are like, wow, that's awesome. And to see where it's gone. Like I said, if this is all Bray's going to, I guess, beat Braun or Braun... Or maybe if, like, during the fight, the Fiend turns in back into Bray, and Bray, you know, uh, Hulk Hogan's styles just lays in the ring, lets Braun pin him, and puts the Fiend into him or some shit, finally turns him, and he's kind of like the manager. I don't have a problem with that as much. That would be kind of cool with Braun Strowman as the Fiend, but they're probably not going to do that. Braun's going to lose to the Fiend. The Fiend's going to have the belt, and then who the fuck do you put against the Fiend? Besides Finn Balor, the demon who's on fucking NXT. Wrestling fans are going to hate me for this, but the best thing you could do is have, like, Roman spear all of these characters to oblivion. <laughs> like, just show up. They're all in the ring, all three. Or, like, digital three, I guess. And just spear them all into the oblivion. And he's like, all right, come, come at me. And they're a faction. Because, like, I don't... Like, we're going to have Braun versus The Fiend... Right? That's that's it. Where do you go from there? Who went, They're all part of the same fucking thing. So, like, even if Braun retains, 
he's just going to be tied into the storyline for forever. Like, it's either Roman or Brock Lesnar that can come out and, like, actually snap back to reality, I guess. I don't know, man. Uh, All right. So they recapped AJ Styles defeating Matt Riddle last week. They highlighted Styles shaking Riddle's hand and then King Corbin attacking him from behind. Uh, Matt Riddle went against Tony Nese. They had a pretty good match. It was pretty short. Um, after the match, after Matt Riddle beat Nice, he called out um, King Corbin, uh, basically, you know, just wanting to kick his ass. And Corbin came out and noted that Riddle doesn't know how things work around here. He said that Riddle doesn't belong in his kingdom. Corbin told Riddle to go back to NXT for more seasoning or maybe uh, go, maybe he should become the king at 205 Live. Uh, Corbin is so confident that Riddle doesn't belong on SmackDown that he announces the King's Ransom. Any wrestler that takes out Riddle can collect that payment. Riddle told Corbin that he's got it all wrong. He promised Corbin that he's going to be the next person on the bro show. Nice tried to jump Riddle, but Riddle uh, saw it coming and knocked him and kicked him in the head. In the back. Oh, wait. Well, that will... See, I wish there was, like, endings to each segment. Uh, but we'll go into the Miz and Morrison stuff after this. I like the match with Nice and Riddle. It was short. Uh, Corbin. God. <sighs> go ahead. I mean, you're I, allowed. Do, do your Corbin impersonation. I'm Baron Corbin. Like, I think he's he, he can be a good heel, <laughs> but he also can be the reason why I don't want to watch something. So I get having Riddle in a feud with him so he can inevitably go after or, or go over, obviously, and get a win on one of the bigger heels that they have. And I like this concept. It reminds me of the Million Dollar Man where he's he's putting a ransom. So, you know, if anyone does beat Matt Riddle or takes him out of action, he's going to pay them or whatever. So that was fine. But it's also Baron Corbin, which is also the problem. You know, we, we've put over the concept that we like his finishers. We like his finisher and his signature, and he's not bad in the ring. It just, you know, he's got that go-away heat. I, I, you know, he, they pretend that doesn't exist, but it does. And he's something that can take me out of even having a match with Matt Riddle. And I don't think we're going to get a spectacular match between the two of them. So, whatever. Uh, what, what do you think, Chris? I mean, unless Matt Riddle decides he's just going to shoot on Baron Corbin, that'd be fun. <laughs> Which I don't, I don't think he's going to work do. with him. <laughs> I put him in the broke Derek for real, bro. <laughs> um, uh, I like the million dollar dream concept, or you. Get, but why would you waste it here? I don't know. I, well, yeah, Harley Race slash billion dollar dream. The it's a it's a combination of which one came first, I think. Um, but that's a great storyline. Maybe yeah. for people that are more over on your main products. I think I would rather Jerry Lawler come out of retirement and, and take out Baron Corbin in a match. <laughs> just, he just pile drives this. I'm the fucking king, asshole. <laughs> and then makes him kiss his foot. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I've been washed for forever. Um, I don't, I mean, I feel bad for Corbin to some extent because it's not his fault. He's just Kane, right? I think people liked Kane, though. 
Well, they, like, came because he had a better push beforehand. They just, like, shoved Corbin. Like, Kane had a whole storyline coming in, so it's easier to like Kane than Corbin, but they're positioned kind of the same way in the company, where it's like Corbin's the big guy that can just go against any baby face and hopefully get them over. But, like, if you ever hear, like, Baron Corbin talk, he doesn't come off as a heel, despite, like, how he actually looks. I mean, on Twitter... He has some very asshole posts. But, like, if you hear him in, like, on any of the uh, Up, Up, Down, Down podcasts, and, or not Up, Up, Down, Down. No, Up, Up, Down, Down. Not the podcast, but their YouTube stuff. He just comes off as, like, a very calm dude. And I think that's part of the reason that people don't accept him as a heel. He, he doesn't have a monster vibe. I've never looked at Corbin and be like, damn, that dude's a monster. No. He's like, a chicken shit heel that's tall. Which should just be a baby face at some point, right? <laughs> Basically. All right, so we had uh, a build-up for a segment. Miz and John Morrison were in the back. They were discussing uh, Twitter trends, and Morrison kept on trying to go for, like, a new hashtag to put himself over. Um, and then we had JBL give his thought on the bar fight. Uh, he, he picked Jeff Hardy overcoming it. Which is weird. You think that he would go with Sheamus since they're so alike, uh, and you know, JBL's a heel. Uh, but we have the Miz TV segment. Miz Morrison came out. They were talking about. I didn't even know this. If this is even real or if this is kayfabe. I mean, I love Naomi, and I I am one of those fans. You know that think that she is underutilized. But apparently, there was a hashtag that became popular. I didn't really look into it. Uh, and they were just talking about how. She doesn't deserve it based on the fact that she loses a lot and kind of productive to why the fans were going out in the first place because we know that wrestling is not real and we're just like, why the fuck is Naomi taking the back seat most of the time? Enter Lacey Evans, their other guest, who comes out, strutting her stuff. She's now full heel again, which is fine. I just thought she had a run for – she could have had a run as a good baby face. And I think Lacey's getting better and better in the ring. We've both said that. Um but, yeah, they're positioning the two of them against each other. They should have a good feud. Lacey wasn't paying attention while she was doing her makeup. Naomi shoved the shit out of her. I don't know why she gave her, like, she just did, you know, she wasn't even acknowledging Naomi's existence. Well, that was dumb. So then the makeup is now all over her face, all over her teeth. She's fucking pissed because she looks ridiculous on television. And Naomi stands tall in the ring. So, um, fine stuff. I'm sure they'll have a good feud if this is a way to get put Naomi over. Good, because I guess they're going with the whole hashtag concept, if that is real or whatever. Uh, but how is that going to help Lacey Evans? And if Naomi loses, how the, how the hell is that situation going to help Naomi? So that's my only problem with it. But I'm sure they'll have a good feud. And, yeah, um, maybe they can do, like, a best of certain amount of matches. One wins one. You know, the whole 50-50 booking, Chris. Um, how do you like this whole thing? So there's people out there that think Naomi doesn't deserve to be in the title this title picture where two people have four belts. No, 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 no. That's what Miz and, and uh, Morrison said. Oh, um, okay. I thought hash, I thought the hashtag was like a weird. No, the hashtag tag was like um, not save Naomi, but like you know, fans bitching that she's underutilized on Twitter, and it be, it, apparently it went trending. I didn't even know about this. 
Well, I mean, she is underutilized, but also she was just suspended because of a lot of DUI, so. She was arrested with all both of the Usos. Both of the times they had those DUIs. That's why she was just gone for a period of time. So, yeah. Like, I, I can't blame WWE for being like, if I if I have to, if you're all three in the car together, I have to spend all of you for this. Otherwise, it's going to come back on the company. It's like, I'll let one wrestler perform when they were, you know, Hacksaw Jim Duggan and uh, went Iron Sheik smoking weed together. It's it's that kind of thing. Like you, you know, that that's a weird company toe line. So, was she under? Is Naomi underutilized? Maybe, but also she's had injuries, those suspensions. It's very very hard to say. I mean, they gave her a huge WrestleMania moment, right? Winning in her hometown. hometown. Which WWE never does, like ever. So I wouldn't say she's underutilized. I do think that uh, she's maybe underrated as a performer, and hopefully this will get her back there. But um, feel bad for Lacey. They fucked her character up from the get-go, which I've yelled about on this podcast a bazillion times. Uh, hopefully they have a uh, like really good match in feud. I just don't know where it leads to because, like I said, two people have four belts. Yep. All right, so we were talking about this earlier. In the back, Kingston walked up uh, from the trainer's room. He told uh, Concerned Biggie that he's going to be out of action for the next six weeks. Um, like I said, I think that Kofi's just taking some time off. I think that's what it really is. Maybe I didn't hear any injury about him. So Biggie uh, promised Kingston they're going to get those titles back. And Kofi just said, and I'm, I, I can't believe they went into this, but Kofi said what a lot of us have been saying for a long time, and he was like, you know what, man? I'm going to be gone. Xavier's gone, dude. This is your time. You need to fucking build yourself up. Why don't you work on becoming a big singles player? And they built it up like that. Like I said, uh, Big E, the Fiend's like a different entity altogether, but him against Braun would be a great fucking match if Braun keeps the belt or whatever. I don't know if Big E would... You know, you you put him over, but they could have a great match. Him and AJ could have a great fucking feud uh, for the IC belt. So I like this. I really hope that they do build it. And even once Kofi does come back and also Xavier comes back, stick them as a tag team. Let Biggie have a run as a singles player. Um, I think that we all think that, you know, he has that potential by himself. So uh, I'd like to see that. And I liked how Kofi said, don't wait 10 years you know, to have your moment, fucking take your moment now. I thought that was a, it was a good promo. You could tell us from the heart and I like this direction. What do you think, Chris? I loved it. I thought it was a great Kofi promo and it came from the heart. Like don't wait 10 years is very specific to his WrestleMania moment, right? Like let's, yep. let's get there now as a group. And, and they preach that like, uh, <laughs> Xavier Woods' thing for the longest time is like, I'm not going to stop wrestling until we, like, Kofi and Big E have won a heavyweight title. Like, he doesn't put his self over. He's like, until they've won heavyweight titles, I'll keep wrestling. Um, man, what a great tag team faction. It, and yep. Kofi's promo here was great. And I, I'm excited to see what Big E is going to do in singles run. <sighs> When's Xavier back? He... 
he tore his Achilles, so it's going to be in the fall, right? Like November, December. Mm-hmm. Does he come back as a heel? That would be the question I pose to you. And if he comes back as a babyface, can't they just put him and Kofi in a tag team and let Big E do his thing? Yeah, for a while, but like, does he stay that way, or do they turn Xavier Woods heel? Seems it's like an he's interesting wanted, concept. Seems like it, he's wanted to do it for a while, and if he could work with them, if the title was in the picture, it might make sense, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, I I liked all of this. Kofi was great. They they don't give Kofi enough mic time. I know that sounds really dumb, but it's like no, it's he, not. When he cuts a serious promo, it's really, really great outside of just, like, the New Day promos, I guess. Yep. Um, but I really like this. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I also really like this next match and the whole idea. Like, does, does Bailey and, and Daniel Bryan, like, do they know people in the office? Like, they're allowed to try to force matches together? Because they said in commentary, AJ's with... Uh, commentary, and they noted that basically Daniel Bryan suggested that they do this to keep AJ going and not just fucking holding on to the belt, which heel style, I get it, uh, but I just didn't realize, just like Bailey proposing that Alexa Bliss and fucking Nikki Cross fight, like, did you get it approved by anyone? Well, maybe I'm thinking too much into it. E's, either way, you had a full <laughs> lane for number one Sorry. contender match. No, you're good. Uh, you had uh, Lindsay Dorado, Shorty G, Drew, uh, Drew Gulak, and Grandma Talik. And I thought it was an awesome match, man. For four ways that can get crazy, it was a lot of spots, but all of them looked well. The best person in this match to me, and I thought that he was going to win it, was was uh, Chad Gable. I, I thought Chad was fucking awesome in this match. Um, especially, like, doing the... The uh, Io Shirai moonsault to the outside without looking at anyone, and everyone caught him perfectly. Like, that was awesome. Um, I thought he looked really fucking good in this. And then Grand Metalik won. Don't think he's going to take the belt off of uh, AJ, but I think he's incredibly underutilized. Uh, Daniel Bryan's been putting him over for a very long time as one of Mexico's best wrestlers that we just don't use. Um, and I'm looking forward to a match with him and AJ. I think they'll have a pretty damn good match. But uh, this all gets a thumbs up to me. I kind of want to see Chad Gable eventually get a shot for that title or have an actual feud long-lasting uh, with AJ Styles, though. Because to me, he looked the best in this match. Um, but everyone looked good, you know? Uh, what did you think, Chris? I also liked AJ on commentary, too. AJ on commentary was, was hilarious. Um, but... Let me just run these names down again. Grain Metalik, Shorty G, Lince Dorado, and Drew Gulak. And AJ Styles is the person that's representing your brand every week with an actual title that's not superstition. Does any of that... <laughs> Cesaro and Nakamura is on this brand, right? Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it just it it reads like a cruiserweight 205 match. I thought they had a really good match, but like they haven't done a good job of putting any of these people over. Especially yeah. if you're gonna throw them against AJ Styles, you're gonna throw them to the Wolf AJ Styles, so like AJ Styles wins, I guess. 
And this then, just gives an opportunity for AJ to get wins, basically, against lesser opponents. I get it. I mean, if Gulak was the guy who came out on top here, right? Um, wait, did he come out on top? Hold on. No, Grandma uh, the leak one. So okay. Just, and AJ next week. I was going to say, if Gulak came out on top, and then you had a Daniel Bryan... I don't know, I, churching him up or teaching him, like, what you need to do against AJ Styles. Like, I've watched all of his footage or something. At least you have kind of a storyline. But, like, Grand Matalik is not beating AJ Styles. So this no. is just kind of a match. Yeah, they're going to make a, try to make a spectacle match out of next week. I'm sure they'll have a good one. But the only one that I would like to personally see get something out of this, because Drew Gulak's already lost to AJ. Um, he beat him, but he, he lost for the title, so he didn't beat him where he needed it. Um, would be Chad Gable. And I hate the fucking uh, Shory G. I know that they've diminished him, but him and AJ had such a great match on SmackDown years ago when Chad Gable was still in, um, I believe he was still part of, uh, T- or, uh, what is it, Team Alpha? It's not Alpha Flight. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, God, why can I... Not, I, I know what you're talking about, though. Sorry, I can't American think of a right fan. No, American Alpha was him and um, Kurt Angle's son. Yeah, that's that's God. that's what I was talking about. Uh, he was still in there, and he had a match probably about four years ago. That was awesome with AJ. And I know AJ thinks highly of Chad Gable. Um, Daniel Bryan, a lot of people think that he should be fucking getting a spotlight, and they've just destroyed him, so... Like I said, I thought he pulled off some of the coolest things, highlights in this match, but then he lost. I think he got pinned, too, by Graham at the league as well. So what are you going to do? There's a lot of cool stuff you could do with Chad Gable, and I think if you want to go that route, you could have had him win this match, and then AJ Styles come out and says, I'm not calling you Shorty G. I'm going to call you by your Christian name and then give him his actual fucking name back. That's the first thing you could do. Stop dressing in fucking purple basketball shorts and fucking... God, what the fuck are they doing with him? You you just let the heel He's run He's an Olympian! Exactly. You let the heel... Look how far you've fallen. You're wearing basketball shorts? You're a former Olympian. You're supposed to be the best of this country. I, I don't mean to cut a promo, but you could easily do that. You get what I'm saying? Like You, you can flip it back where Chad Gable's a badass if the heel can snap him there and AJ Styles could be the dude to do it unless they bring Samoa Joe back, which he would be the best to actually do what I was just talking about. Um, but yeah, the shorty G shit's got to just drop. Like it's, it's not over. No one likes it. So I don't, I don't get why it's even a thing, honestly. I don't either. All right. Well, uh, before we get to the, uh, match, we're already fucking, bitching about um we had an interview uh with kayla braxton and the smackdown tag team champions shinsuke nakamura and cesaro cesaro mocked kofi kingston he said it was too bad he didn't get to put biggie through a table so he'd be out of action too cesaro doesn't agree that's biggie's time and uh that was about it so yeah i'm glad that they the one thing that helps benefit this fucking thing is there not some arena so some jackass idiots can go, what? 
in between what Shinsuke's saying, but they let him talk. He knows English pretty well. You know, he doesn't have the greatest grasp at it, but man, dude, Shinsuke's just someone I always get discouraged. And same thing with Cesaro, but I remember when I first started watching wrestling and he just intrigued the fuck out of me and the way they built him in NXT was awesome. You know, he definitely, me and you have talked about this many times, didn't have the same flavor or I guess it's because he, you know, slowed down his style, his WWE style. It wasn't as as crazy as it was in, in uh, New Japan. You watch his match with AJ and Okada. He just has so much personality. He's such a great fucking character. His matches are usually solid, at least. Um, and he's a king of strong style, and he's just a part of now the Smack team. There's no fucking tag teams. Now we don't even have the New Day. Uh, <laughs> the what the fuck? So what the fuck? Yeah, I guess if Jay's ready to come back, good. I think he tore his bicep. I'm not 100% sure. Or Jimmy, I mean. So if that's the case, you got a good fucking feud right then and there. But they could do so much more with Shinsuke Nakamura. I would rather him in a fucking program with Daniel Bryan. They've been wanting to do that for years, and they still haven't. And they're on the same brand. I don't know. Just discouraging, Chris. I like to think that Nakamura shows up and they tell him who who he's going to work against. And it's not the person he actually wants to work against, so he just half-asses it. He's like, I want to wrestle Daniel Bryan. They're like, you've got Baron Corbin. And he's like, all right, cool. I get it. He's getting paid money and he's surfing and he's happy, but I feel like he could be doing all the same things and be in AEW, you know, and actually I mean, put on fucking awesome matches with like Pentagon and Kenny Omega. And ugh. Well, he didn't have that option when that happened right yeah he decided to leave so i mean in retrospect he probably would have went to AEW in a lot of scenarios just because him and gato didn't necessarily get along a lot as opposed to some of the other long-term people that are there um but i mean he gave us one good match him and Sami Zayn. <laughs> yeah maybe just have him wrestle Sami Zayn for forever on every show just like you know, Gargano and Ciampa for a while. That'd be awesome. I'm down for that, man. Um, I didn't think his match with Samoa Joe was that bad. Take Samoa Joe out of retirement, I guess, and put him against Shinsuke. I don't know. I don't I don't know if it's Shinsuke, really. I think it's him trying to dumb down his style for American wrestling is part of the problem. It's, here's a, you have this amount of time to get your shit in is the problem, I think. Yeah, and he's just doing greatest hits, basically. Yeah, I mean, like, the good Shinsuke stuff's, like, 20, 30 minutes long. Even him yep. and AJ in New Japan, like, it, it takes time to build up those kind of great matches, and they do it very well on NXT. We just saw one on uh, on the, if you guys listened to the last show, we went over the, um, Car- well, not Karrion Cross, but uh, Killian Dane. Not Killian Dane. Um, the the Gargano match with uh, Roddy and who, who was him it? And, uh, uh, God damn it, I want to say Jonah Rock, but that's not his name anymore. Uh, fuck, I forgot what his name is. He won, though. It's Jonah Rock. He, they gave him a new name. I forgot what the fuck it is. The big dude. Yeah, oh, so, and they did a really good job of putting that over, and it was 20 minutes. Like, 
that's the time link to have a good Nakamura. Gosh. <laughs> if Nakamura, I'm just saying, if he was in NXT, him in the ring with some of the guys there, like him and Roderick Strong would have a fucking banger, I think. Him and Finn Balor would have a fucking great feud if you wanted to position that. I mean, he's really great at selling. It's just if you only have seven minutes to do it, it's really hard to build up the big Nakamura comeback where the knees make sense where he's putting them. I mean, that's like the strong style is because it's it's very much similar to the Okada comeback, right? You, yep. you got to build to it. And in WWE, it's just so quick that I think it gets lost in translation. Um, I don't remember where it was, but I watched recently a match with him and Okada that was fucking awesome from years ago. Yeah, I mean, Nakamura is great, but, you know, like, I can't blame him for just, he's like, I'm just going to let Cesaro carry this and I'll hit some knees. (laughs) 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 I I actually feel worse for Cesaro. Yeah, I also feel horrible for Cesaro. (laughs) Because I think he's one of the most underutilized wrestlers, both promo and uh, in-ring-wise, that WWE's ever had. Pretty sad. I guess, do we even need to talk about this bar match? I think we already buried it at the beginning. Um, I guess we should go over it, but I hated it. And it, it like I said, it put a, a, a distaste in my mouth for the whole rest of the show, which is unfortunate to some of this stuff. Yeah. So we have the bar fight. Jeff Hardy going against Sheamus is obviously pre-recorded. Look very much movie-wise. You never saw the cameraman or anything like that, which is annoying. Um, but the, the bar fight itself, I don't think it was a bad bar fight, but because of the circumstances with Jeff Hardy being an ex-addict, being an ex-alcoholic, I just thought it was low-class. Uh, I know that you think the same thing, Chris. Um, and uh, some of the spots that I really remember, one of them, I remember uh, Seamus putting fucking Jeff's head in a urinal, which was disgusting. That probably wasn't that good. Um, and then the the ending, you know, after the bar was cleared, had all that fucking glass on it, and he drove Jeff's ass through it. We had the ladder positioned, and then finally Jeff got the better of Seamus. After, you know, he was knocked down and Seamus decided instead of trying to pin him to dick around and go drink a beer, comes back, takes the hat, his hat that he put on his face. Now Jeff magically has his contacts in face paint, whatever, and then goes off the ladder, gives him a swan t- or well, first give him a twist of faith then does a swan time bomb off the ladder. You don't see what they la- what he landed on exactly, which I'm I'm telling you, I don't think he let him take a bump on concrete from that high. So it looked cool, and then his contacts disappeared, and Jeff Hardy gets the win. So he, I guess it's he beat his demons. I don't know. I don't know where the fuck this is going. I want Jeff Hardy to show up on AEW so badly. It's ridiculous. Um, he also brought. He was allowed to bring up his brother in the whole thing too. That was pretty crazy. Uh, but yeah. The urinal spot is just a callback to the urine spot that they did. So someone just has a piss fetish in this company. I wonder who it is. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. I, they did what was asked of them. 
I still don't understand anyone on this roster being comfortable with this being a match and not saying something. Especially someone with swagger, like, you know, Miz, for instance, Daniel Bryan. And maybe they have, but it's just so bad. And it's not going to matter. Like, they gave... This is like the fourth Sheamus match we've seen with Jeff Hardy. And Jeff Hardy's won, like, what, four out of three? Yep. So just from a wrestling standpoint, Jeff Hardy has beat the shit out of this guy multiple times. Why are they still wrestling? (laughs) Even if you take away everything else, Jeff Hardy has beat this guy three or four times. The feud should be done. Well, actually, (laughs) now that I'm thinking about it, I think Sheamus beat them, beat Jeff the last time they fought, and Jeff won the first. So this is like, I guess the... uh, what the hell is it called? The blow-off match. The uh, rubber. The rubber match. Yeah, I think Jeff ended up winning out of the three. So I thought I thought there was one weird one in between there, but I, I in any I could case, be wrong too. I could be wrong too. I don't remember. It's SmackDown. So I I just I, I don't know, man. Jeff Hardy. I hate it. Yeah. Well, we don't hate it as much as Rebby Hardy. So there's always that. <laughs> oh shit. Um, I don't know, man. If this doesn't equate to Jeff Hardy getting a super strong push, I wouldn't be against him showing back up in Impact instead of AEW. That would be fine to me, man. He's a legend and a good Hall of Fame. If I, I, I don't know if he's inducted or not. I'd have to look at their Hall of Fame because their Hall of Fame is a little weird where they induct like one or two people each year. But uh, that would be a good get for them. Yeah. You would just think that he'd want to go, you know, where his brother is. That's the only thing. Well, I mean, see, Impact, I would be so down. I would be down for that because I'm really wanting Impact to have a great turnaround this year. And they're they're stacking up. But the concept of having the Hardy Boys as a tag team to utilize and then putting Jeff by himself. Him going against Darby Allen or maybe mentoring him in a storyline. Uh, him and Jericho having, you know, a few. There, there's a lot that they could do with him. I hope he does not stay in WWE. And if this was, and I, I don't know, maybe maybe it is. Maybe this was Jeff's send-off. Maybe he's done and we're going to find out that he's, you know, a free agent. Because I think it was ending around now. So, I don't know. Yeah, they taxed on all that injury time plus whatever the non-compete is unless they drop it. So it would, it would be around now because when Matt, did they, I don't know, did they release Matt from his contract? I'm trying to remember. I don't even or, remember. I think it just ran out, right? Yep. Yeah, so you tack on the injury time, which Jeff had, which was like six to eight months plus 90 days. I mean, you could show up anywhere. It's just really weird to send him off on a a win against Sheamus, I guess, in a barroom fight. After what Dean Ambrose uh, spilled his guts about, it's not surprising, but it, uh, leaving him with a win makes me think they're at least trying to re-sign him and do something with him. Yeah. I don't know, man. I do, I do know, know he... I guarantee you EC3 is a much happier person right now, though. He sounds like <laughs> it. I heard a great interview with him, 
he sounds so happy because they took away the thing. Like he had a pretty decent run on, you know, NXT, but they took him up because of his size basically. And then Vince, I don't know if he was like, Oh wait, this is, this is that, that one Dixie Carter's, you know, nephew or whatever. And then they took away his voice. He wasn't even allowed to talk in interviews. He never, I think he dropped one promo and everything else. He was just staring in the goddamn mirror. And EC3 is a better promo than he is a wrestler. I'm not trying to be a dick, but that's true. I mean, he's a better wrestler than some of the other people that they have or that are that size. So. Yeah. No, that, that's that's <laughs> true. That's true too. <laughs> but yeah, like that Dean Ambrose was uh, the interview was very eye opening, where he's like, he messed up one spot at a house show with me, and then Vince buried him. So. We have to go on that being the truth based on how he was booked afterwards, at least at least with EC3, right? And him and he admitted that Drake Maverick and him filmed multiple vignettes that they said was, you know, that Vince approved. And then uh, without even seeing the finished products, they filmed like all these vignettes building him up. Vince just canned the idea and decided not to go with it. And we know that Drake and him have good chemistry, so that probably would have been cool. He even had him coming out at house shows as his uh, manager, and Vince just dropped it. Well, I mean, I guess they missed the fucking boat because that that vignette he had on Slammiversary was pretty legendary. And he didn't have to yeah. say shit. <laughs> yep, I agree. And let's before we go, I want to kind of go over the list. Because the list of people that were released from WWE back in April, um, most of them have found homes, and a couple of them have not. So I wanted to discuss with you on air about that. I'm going to go down the list. Drake Maverick obviously decided, you know, he uh, stayed with WWE. I'm still not 100% sure. Well, I mean, the promo itself that he did online seemed really genuine from the heart, but, like, them deciding to keep him is interesting. Kurt Hawkins, uh, Brian Myers is in uh, TNA Impact. Carl Anderson's in Impact. Luke Gallows is in Impact. Heath Slater's in Impact. We don't know where Aiden English is. Eric Young's in Impact. EC3 is in Impact. Leo Rush is rumored to be starting an Impact soon with a new character altogether. Uh, Kurt Angle's retired. Sarah Logan is pregnant. Um, but I heard AEW was interested in her before she obviously got pregnant. So she's taking, she's out of action. Mike uh, Kyoto is not roughing anywhere else. Primo and Epico went back to Puerto Rico for their dad's promotion. Uh, Rowan, nowhere. Mike Kanellis and Maria Kanellis are going back to Ring of Honor. Zack Ryder, we don't know. Noe Jose, we don't know. Rusev, we don't know. Deanna Perrazzo obviously went to Impact. And I don't know who... Alexander Jacksick is, but he was the other person released, I guess, that's on this list. So it looks like Zack Ryder, Rusev, Noe Jose, um, Aiden English, and uh, actually one person that's on here is uh, Kurt, uh, Curtis Axel, uh, a.k.a. Curtis uh, Henning, also does not have a home. So my question to you, Chris, since pretty much everyone else is, is accounted for, Aiden English, Zack Ryder, Rusev, Curtis Axel, I should say Curtis fucking Henning, um, Rowan, 
Where do you think these guys are going? Do you think they'll be showing up somewhere soon? I know Rusev Wait. just got over COVID, though. Based on that weird Saudi show where Aiden English was doing commentary, someone should put that guy on commentary. <laughs> I would actually package deal him with Rusev <laughs> and them do the Rusev day and try to get that over on Impact or AEW because you know the audience loved that. Out of curiosity, and this is more just my brain wandering, with the recent sign- signings that are on Impact. And knowing there were a lot Mark- of them. And knowing that Mark Cuban owns Access TV, or is the chairman of Access TV, AXS, is he just pulling his dick out to fight Tony Khan? He might be. And if so, like I think all of these guys are getting signed to Impact, and he's actually going to try to do a show show. Yeah. The only two people, and it's it's been like this for a while, that I could see going to AEW are Rusev and Zack Ryder. That's about it. Because I think Rusev's someone that they probably would consider a name that they could do stuff with now that he's kind of like kind of like with Moxley and a lot of the other guys, uh, Brody Lee. Like, they held him back in WWE. He got himself over. Let's make him a fucking star here. And Zack Ryder, we, we know the relationship with him and Cody, and that's been rumored for a while. But everyone else... I think, besides the Canellas that are going to Ring of Honor, for good reasons, obviously Mike Canellas and her have a good rep, or they've had a good pass with Ring of Honor, obviously. But everyone else that I named, Impact seems like a smart place. And I don't know where Mike Kyoto goes. I, th- I still can't believe that they let go of him. He's one of the most convincing grass that they had in WWE. Um, yeah, he's not the annoying orange guy with the fade that just yells a lot all the time trying to get himself over as a ref. Jesus yeah, Christ. he looks good, man. I would put Mike Yoda in AEW if they need an extra ref or impact. Uh, maybe he's just retiring, though. He's probably made a bunch of money. I'm assuming. Sorry, sorry for that WWE ref I just burned. But that, that one dude that's in a bunch of matches now that definitely he's makes orange. sure. Yeah, he's orange and definitely trying to get himself over as a referee. It's not how you get yourself over as a referee. It's annoying as fuck. So stop. They're not referees. They're officials. <laughs> Okay, well, he can officially stop sucking so hard. (laughs) Here's another question. You know, they kind of burned a bridge with Kurt Angle, I think, towards the end. I don't expect him to wrestle, but do you think that he might go back to Impact as, like, a GM or some type of thing like that? Or maybe a manager? Like I said, with my mind wondering... I feel like Mark Cuban's just getting into this game, seeing what Tony Khan was able to do with AEW and what those two, those two TV contracts work with or uh, happened with him and how they went into the black immediately. And we saw all of these signings kind of out of nowhere from a product that was just like, we'll just get whatever we can get. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I think anything can happen right now with Impact. I, I think it's going to be more prominent. We're going to hear a lot more about it. Um, th- like I said, this is just me guessing, but him being the guy over Access, removing uh, New Japan as competition, and now we get all these signings, it seems like he is taking a stance without making it very obvious that he's taking a wrestling stance with some of these signings. Yep. <sighs> it's uh, it's interesting. If that's the case, man, I'm down. 
I'm going to continue watching uh, Impact on Tuesdays. I mean, it's free on fucking Twitch. I might as well. Um, although, God, I, I love her, and she was a great announcer for uh, for Lucha Underground. She does good interviews, but Melissa Santos, it's Brian Cage's uh, wife. She does, I don't know, if, I think you watch it on cable. If you watch it on Twitch, during the commercials, it's her talking to a chat, and it's horrible. It's terrible, but... No. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, hey, we're cutting a commercial. Just talk for a while. That would that'd be bad for me. I'd be like, so how about them cowboys? That's <laughs> that would be me. Uh, but yeah, I guess if that's the case, man, and and uh, Mark Cuban's actually gonna you know build impact back to prominence, if you will. I'm down for that. I like I like a lot of wrestling, so. I want Ring of Honor to do well. I want NWA to do well. I want MLW, Impact, all of the American, and and Mexico and fucking Japan for that matter too. A lot of wrestling is good wrestling, right? Yeah, same. I it's just very weird that Impact decided they're gonna snag up a bunch of people all of the sudden, kind of out of nowhere, including re-signing the machine. Or, or I guess it's a a month-to-month contract, but Motor City Machine Guns and. They really went all, all out for Slammiversary. Yeah, they definitely did. I'm sure they're that trying, wasn't... Hey, I think they're though. trying to make an impact. <laughs> On the wrestling industry. But, uh, yeah, I, I feel bad for Ring of Honor. <laughs> that's that's the that's the qualifier here. Um, I don't know. Does Matt... Does, I guess the big question, the one that's looming, is Matt Cardona, right? Zack Ryder. Is he going to be an AEW guy, or is he going to show up on Impact? It's interesting. Brian Myers is there. He's at Impact. Another place would make him a big star, and I think a lot of people want to see that. So, how do I... It's always weird with AEW because they're like, we're done signing people, but then they sign like six people. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now we're done signing after we just grabbed Eddie Kingston, Warhorse, and <laughs> everyone Eddie, that Cody goes against. If Eddie Kingston wasn't signed after that promo, he was definitely signed after that promo. <laughs> yeah. I don't have the same feelings about the match that everyone else did, but the promo was really, really good. Going back and listening to it and him calling him, are you an egg-sucking dog? Or I can't remember exactly how he worded it. My favorite thing, and we didn't talk about it because <laughs> I forgot about it, was he, he, he talks to Arn and he goes, I swear my mother's eyes, I'll rip your your eyes out on Anderson. Like, he, <laughs> he, he definitely killed it. He set up a good fucking brawl between the two of them. He said, are you an egg-sucking dog or a ball-sucking dog to Cody or something to that extent, yeah. which was a Terry Funk, you know, Dusty sucks eggs if you're an old-school wrestling fan. I love the callback. Yep. Eddie Kingston's so good on the fucking mic. I don't necessarily care for his in-ring work, but holy shit, that's a good promo. Especially go back and, like, if you were just kind of on the fence on that one, definitely go back and watch it. It was fucking amazing. He would have been, I think, great for ECW back in the 90s if he was a part of that era. Because it's all about brawling and, and promos, you know. And even though, obviously, they had a lot of efficient technicians and stuff like that, a lot of the guys also were brawlers and fucking cut promos. So, 
the majority of their roster. Hey, we can yell shit and people like it. And then if you bring something to the ring, we'll hit someone with it. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what the dude with the, the big hat that was the center. You know, he was like green shirt guy before green shirt guy with the giant hat. I wonder what he's up to now. I don't know, but I watched uh, for the first time. What was the uh, their return pay-per-view called when they came back in 2007? Oh, I can't remember. Man. Either way, it One was fucking stand? awesome. One Night Stand, yeah. RVD beat John Cena. And just to have – that's the only time I've ever seen Rey Mysterio booed at when he went against <laughs> Sabu. And they had that, uh, that kayfabe uh, finish where they made it look like they both got taken out. By a table spot. Um, Which is like awesome fucking pay per view. That like audience. The, whew. Yeah, they they were on fire. That that's also like the nineteenth time that Sabu and Rey Mysterio <laughs> had matches. So <laughs> for me, I was like, yeah, like five years ago, because Sabu, man, that guy, he put himself through some shit over the years. I love Sabu. People forget how. He is one of the most innovative high flyers um, of all time. Uh, I will try to post it up on Geek Vibes here in a bit. Um, there is a great match where he got signed to WCW for like two months, I think. And you get to see some very innovative lucha moves before they started pulling in luchador wrestlers from Mexico. And it's very aggressive and crazy Sabu. Love it. And he he kind of nails oh. every springboard, which is oh my dude. So I I didn't know that Mick Foley went healed during that time period and was like with Edge, and they have this fucking grueling match where it's Edge, Lita, and fucking Mick against Terry Funk, Tommy Dreamer, and Beulah McC- uh, Gillicuddy. And Terry Funk, at one point, I'm like, I can't believe for their age, and this is back in 2007, mind you. <laughs> That Mick Foley and Terry Funk mixed grinding fucking barbed wire on Terry's face. And he's bleeding all up and down his arms because he's got barbed wire wrapped around it. And he was just pounding him. And Terry's like, I mean, he's not really selling it. It fucking probably hurt like hell. He's like, you motherfucker, you damn bastard. You friggin' raked my eye with it. Bring him back to eye reference. Gotta fucking do that. He's Terry Funk. It was so awesome. And And I think Edge ended up pinning someone, but... I mean, they booed JBL out of the fucking building. Uh, <laughs> Taz beat, choked out fucking Jerry Lawler like it was nothing. It was an awesome pay-per-view. I searched on Google, best non-four WWE pay-per-view, and that's what a bunch of people said, so I watched it. Didn't Technically, Big, it's an ECW Didn't pay-per-view. Big Show have a really good match on that that he won? For, or yeah, that that, maybe that was the... Uh... Or the 2008 one. They had three of them. Yeah. I guess ECW yeah. was done after a year. Yeah, like oh. no, it's the it, that was the 2006 one. Him versus Batista, I think. Maybe, maybe I watched 2007 one then. Um, no, I, I think they did a bunch of ECW stuff, and then the finish was no, maybe all right, maybe maybe not. But I know Big Show had like a really cool ECW spot, and then he probably vaped afterwards, or yeah, back in the well, it was 2006, so he probably smoked smoke afterwards. Dude, Sandman comes through the crowd, and there's so many people in there, he can barely fucking move. And he's got a kendo stick with him, and he's smoking a cigarette. 
And by the end of it, his shirt's almost ripped off his body and his cigarette's gone. So it was, <laughs> he came in there and beat the shit out of Eugene. It was awesome. I sent you that intro of him on TNN where, like, he had, like, six beers with him, but by the time he got to the ring, he had one and a half beer. <laughs> he was, like, just dumping them all over people. It's like, that's not – you can't do that now, <laughs> especially if you're Sandman. Yeah. It's a very <sighs> different time. Man, Sandman's entrance might be one of the greatest. I know there's a lot of people that come through the crowd. Like Raven kind of stole it a little bit from Sandman when he was John in WCW. John definitely stole it from Sandman. But no one does it as good as Sandman. No, and he loves it. You can tell that that was one of the greatest times in his life. It's too bad, man, that, that what happened with ECW after that. But they really presented it like, it's back! And, uh... Yeah, but that's another story for another day. I think I think uh, I think we can call this a show, man. I think so. I think <laughs> we can call it. Um, but yeah, thank you guys out there for listening. Uh, definitely appreciate you guys checking this stuff out. And look, if you're a new listener, you can find our show on pretty much any downloadable uh, platform. Just in Google, search Wrestling Geeks Alliance. I'll bring it up, where, or just search on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, YouTube, Wrestling Geeks Alliance. If you want to go to geekvibesnation.com, uh, that also has links to all of our different uh, downloadable services for you guys to listen to for free. We're not charging you a damn thing. And also you can find our Facebook, our Instagram, and our Twitter page for Geek Vibes Nation. Uh, I am on Geek Vibes. Or I'm on Geek Vibes. Yeah. Also on crack, apparently. Um, I am on Twitter, Danaus42. Mess me if you want to start a conversation. Join GeekFi's Nation and also on Facebook, and we can talk there at Danaus. And uh, I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend, and you watch a bunch of good wrestling. Not bad wrestling. Get that out of your fucking system. Chris, have a wonderful day, and say goodbye to the, the, the lovely people out there. I'm only watching 2001 or 2000 WCW now. You told me to only watch good wrestling, so, you know, it's my life. <laughs> um, if you guys want to reach me, either at Chris R. Patton on Twitter. Um, got a hockey podcast coming out later this weekend. If you like hockey, check that out at Skates Throats. Dane, as always, thank you. It's been a wonderful conversation. And uh, love you guys. Thanks for listening. Love you guys. You guys have a great time weekend. Whenever you listen to us, have a have a good good life. How about that? You know. And uh, we'll be we'll be back next week with another show. The next show we'll be going over AEW NXT, and I might throw a little bit of highlights from Impact as well in there. And uh, me and Chris will probably be a hell of a lot more cheerful uh, than we were today. So thank you guys for listening, and have a wonderful day. Peace out. Let the geek fights be with you.